is another beautiful summer's Sunday evening here in the Republic of Ireland and also the UK. That means it's time for a slightly warmer than usual edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. CSP is back with another week of hijinks. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by our ever-dependable co-hosts. First of all, Mr. Paul Griffin. I'm a little bit uncomfortable, Barry. Is it uh, sexual tension between us or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, if my hands go below the uh, uh, camera line, uh, pay no attention. Honk, honk. Let's bring that back. No, because I normally record this in a nice chair, which is that chair right there. Which you guys can see, the listeners can't. Uh, yeah. I'm sitting not on the edge of my bed. Like an oik. You do look oh. like you have no back support. It doesn't I look great. Do, yeah. There's nothing there. No, no back support. I mean, like, pillows over just to have something well my, my chair is a bit the, the back on it is a bit low so i'm a little bit unsupported here as well um, um you know okay we'll we'll make do anyway we'll soldier on i mean listen it's 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 an incredibly tough business we're in podcasting um yeah, you know yeah, grueling yeah. grueling uh labor um but we will uh we will soldier on also uh powering through uh today is, is mr joe towner hello hello lads hello everyone how are we doing? Is it, is, is it as warm over there as it is over here? Uh, it's been a very nice day, actually. Yeah, not too not too hot, but like quite hot. Yeah. So sorry, I don't mind it. Don't mind been, it. been the same here. About 21 here. Lovely and hot. The sun is out. Also, we've, for the last two weeks, like, we had the heat wave like two or three weeks ago. And in the ensuing two weeks, it's still been really warm here, but it's been that classic, horrible, muggy, Ugh. gray, moist, humid heat. Whereas today it was like actually sunny which yeah, is better this is a nice summer day yeah yes. this is what i call summer now that's what i call summer now that fits. is what i call summer. three cds of your favorite <laughs> I met you in the summer Ooh. getting an ice cream from a van <laughs> rona actually did get an ice cream from a van yesterday i was being very boring i didn't want one but she this was how's this for a hustle lads uh so over the, the only thing i've really done this week and this weekend was uh we went to like every sort of big giant storage unit that sells furniture in this city right because the house the house situation is trucking along at a very sensible pace we're anticipating keys in the next 10 days which is very exciting so now it's time to actually go and buy things for the house which is great um and one of the one of the uh uh, sort of industrial parks we went to where there was like multiple furniture stores and and homeware stores an ice cream truck had just parked up in the car park and I, I kind of go, that's a bit funny. I wonder what he's picking up. I was like, no, he's not picking up anything. He's working. He's working <laughs> in the B&Q car park. Um, so Bruno got himself a little cone. Uh, it looked quite nice. I was not in the mood for a cone. Um, I don't know. I find ice cream van cones are never as good as when you get them in a cafe or something. That's that, now, now, that is a take. That is I'm, weirder than your fucking, what was the Ricky Starks thing? I don't even remember fucking two weeks ago, whatever that's When, when Tony Shivani walked by Oh, God, and now you're slandering the humble, the humble ice cream van, and they're. Crass. I don't know. It's just, it's just like watery and less nice. What? 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 It was backwater Kildare. You're getting like you're just like drinking swill out of the back of like a Cletus's truck from The Simpsons, and you go, "Oh man, these ninety nines ain't what they cracked up to be." Maybe, 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 okay, maybe I just had a a, a bad couple. But I, I found the last three times I got one from a van, there are like all maybe they all watering not bad, them down. But watering them down. This is this may be a region, because like, also because I've also had people say to me 
whenever I'm talking about my various horrible cinema experiences, I've had people say to me, are you sure it's not just a Limerick thing? And to be honest, I think it may be because I, I am the person I know who's had the most absolutely horrific cinema experiences. Mm, mm. So maybe it is a regional thing. And maybe you just have the absolute worst ice cream man ever to grace the glorious mm. Republic of Ireland, you know. Yeah, well, from yeah. here to Dublin, I've, I've had uh, between. <laughs> I've eaten ice cream from here to Dublin, and I yeah. can tell you, it goes, up by, it goes up by a euro the closer you get every time, you know. <laughs> it's like 12 euro for a well, You better put two flakes in that, my friend. Like, what I'm, to give some context, when I um, have get a, a, a 99, not from a van, but in a shop or in a... Mm. A place where they have the machine, basically. Yeah, it's it's to me it's very similar to the 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 ice cream you get from like a McFlurry, right? Basically the same thing. When I get from the ice cream from a van, I I think it tastes a little bit more. And consistency is a little bit more to that of like a whipped cream, right? It's not as full mm. and not as okay creamy, ironically, but. And this is this is this is a new this is a new like potential like vlog for you is like tasting the various. <laughs> 99s of the of the nation that would actually probably be great i would i would watch that yeah. i would watch that um as i say we have been uh, uh pottering about looking at various household things not gotten anything too mental this weekend because we're still not yet in so things like beds and all that shit you have to wait you know um but really feeling my age this week we bought a new hoover and this is like the most exciting purchase since I yeah, but you got, since, you got a, a fancy Hoover, though. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was about to say since my PS5. To be quite honest, I think I've enjoyed using the vacuum more. We got, we got. So the thing is, like, we, we, um, uh, uh, <laughs> this apartment came with a vacuum, and I honestly think it was like nicked from from someone's job. It from was a building old, site. It, yeah, it, but it was like older than me. It was absolutely horrible, and it broke. And so we said, "Oh fuck!" So like, and it wasn't ours. So it was like, okay, it came with the apartment, so we have to replace it. We're like, but because we have to leave it we're not going to buy a fancy one. So the one we bought like a year and a half ago was equally shit. It was like a 40 euro thing. I can't even remember. It was from Curry's, which is where we went to get the fancy one. But again, it was, you know, 40 euro gets you a pathetic. Like it was terrible. And so every time I'm hoovering, I'm like, and we've carpet as well. So I'm down on my hands and knees. So we said for, for you know, there's a number of things we said, let's let's get some really, let's splash out and get some nice things for the new house because we're, we're fucking going into debt anyway. <laughs> furnishing the house so let's get some nice shit and one of the things was we'll get a nice vacuum and we said well we'll use it in the flat because we have to clean the flat before we leave anyway so we got a shark branded vacuum which i'm aware is like the yeah. brand and we looked at we looked at the mall and they had cordless and fucking bluetooth and fucking 4k <laughs> netflix on them i was like what the fuck and they go as high as like 600 there was dysons for like 700 quid so we said right we'll get we'll get a version with a fucking cord okay because because it's like the jump in price when you go to a cordless one is is mental mm-hmm. so we got a shark it was a, like two it was like reduced from like 370 to like 200 right so we spent 200 quid on a vacuum but that classic thing of we can justify it because it was a deal um mm-hmm. and oh my god again like i said i'm really feeling my age it was the most thrilling experience of my life moving it around and watching the the, the carpet actually change to a lighter shade of, of its color as the as the dust actually goes into it for a change and yeah. and 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 fills up and it's got like more opposable parts than one of those like 70 euro wwe figures it's like every single part of it bends <laughs> and it's curving and snaking around the couch and getting into the crevices it was, it was honestly thrilling um we uh we 
too, too rich for our blood right now, but we did look while we were in like Curry, who looked like the tellies, right? They look great. I was like, oh my God, mm. I really want a new telly. But again, you know, that's expensive and it has to come, it has to come after, you know, beds, furniture, things like that. That's way down on the priority list. Uh, also way down on the priority list because the house has one, but we looked at like really expensive fridges. Have you ever seen like a really fucking expensive fridge that's like nine foot tall and, and yeah, like yeah. you could fit a body in or again, feeling quite old, but that was so, I was like, I, I, I want a 2000 euro fridge. I'll never afford one in my life because it's like, it's like a, it's like a, a down payment on a house itself. But like, oh my God, I was like, look, I think, imagine how much you could fit in that stuff you'd never even need. Do you know what I mean? I'd even put vegetables in it just to, just to fill up a shelf. Do you know what I mean? Um, just the ones that come in the stock photo. That's the yeah, just, yeah, uh, yeah. Some of those. Yeah, we'll have a little photo shoot with it, and then just like throw it out, yeah, and then yeah. then put like coke cans in that little compartment. Oh, you know, that's what that that's what goes there. But yeah, um, uh, so looking forward to that. We did buy again. You know, we did buy in the similar vein of the vacuum, something that we can use now. We bought new pillows. <gasps> uh, oh, lads! I'm so yeah. I'm coming. I'm fresh off the best sleep I've had in about four years. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, today, oh my god, oh my god! Again, a bargain. Something I would never do. These pillows in in Jisk, which is like it's kind of the um, uh, the little to IKEA's Aldi. Do you know what I mean? Or vice versa. It's it's another Scandinavian like homeware uh, uh, chain. Um, Sorry, it's it, called what? Jisk. J Y S K. Jisk. Jisk. Um, uh, so it I, is, say, it, I, I try to keep my pillows and the jizz separate. That's, that's, it's, it is, uh, it, it, it's extremely Ikea. It does the thing of, it even has their Scandinavian name on the label. So when you go up to the pillow and it says Flufenhaum, you know, uh, and things like that. But yeah, we got these pillows, right? And they were, and it was, it was a good thing they were on sale because I would never in my lifetime pay this, but they were. 30 euro pillows to begin with which i'm like i don't care how good a night's sleep is i will never pay 30 euro for a pillow never they reduced to 12 which we were able to justify but uh, uh 30 euro pillows and as i tell you that was the best i would i'd pay i'd pay that for that that night's sleep but i wouldn't actually because it was I, i'm the opposite i pay up to 100 for a good pillow i say. well like, see now so i'm coming around to your mindset though i'm yeah. coming around to that because after we so we just got this we just did this yesterday and i had a phenomenal life sleep and i was like okay well maybe that's my problem maybe i should pay 30 euro for a good pillow and and have an actual good night's yeah. sleep instead of the fucking um uh, uh prison pillows i've been sleeping on for the last couple of years <laughs> that i yeah. brought with me from like my mam's home when i first moved out five years ago but, uh, imagine barry's pillows i have not i like, genuinely i have this is i have not bought a pillow in in i don't like, know how many years as a keyboard just like yeah was, and, and and just as many keyboard keys inside it as well you know um yeah so so we bought that um uh, so yeah very exciting very exciting times we drove by the house yesterday after buying all our accoutrements and at long last it literally only happened in the last couple of days because we've been checking they, they slapped the big old sold so. sign across the uh across the mm-hmm. for sale so very exciting very exciting um so this this room i'm broadcasting in our, again our, our our listeners can't see but there's boxes and boxes behind yeah. me there because we're getting ready to move um which will then obviously be very stressful but fun you know mm-hmm. gotta set up the electric gotta transfer the internet i'm kind of i'm, I'm kind of dreading because i'm still working from home the kind of thing of transferring over the internet and then one day i'll be working here and it'll just be gone and they're like oh yeah off you pop to your new place you know but anyway that's that's all that's all to come um yeah but that was the uh that was the house guff and that was the life guff for me uh uh this week uh what about you boys what have you been up to um i do know of course from from today um uh, the timeline being ablaze once again with with uh, footy guff 
Yes. Um, well, I mean, season's already over. It's probably yeah. Shortest, I mean, it um, was uh, the usual, the usual fucking downtrodden, um, miserable fucking march through the the timeline uh, earlier today. But you know, what can you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, I won't spend too much time on the footy because obviously, you know, I did have I did have <laughs> my, I had my new jersey ready to go. New lucky jersey, right? Put that, jersey. Put that in the fucking bin, right? Don't, don't need that anymore. Um. I just thought generally it was a pretty dull opening weekend um, mm. of the matches I watched. So, I, so we watched the the Arsenal game. Arsenal were quite good, to be fair, against Palace, but pretty straightforward win. Uh, didn't watch Liverpool-Fulham, which seems to have been the best game of the weekend, because that was on at the same yeah. time as the Wigan Athletic getting a bloody good draw away at Narc City, mm. uh, which was on Sky Sports at the time. So we had that, and we had Liverpool on the, on the laptop, but wasn't really paying attention to it. But that seemed to have been a... a at least a fun game from a neutral point of view. Um, and then Everton Chelsea, my God, one of the most boring games I've ever watched. And then uh, United Brighton again from a neutral point of view, probably probably quite uh, exciting. But from you know a United fan point of view, not good. Even though even though they picked up in the second half, it was it was classic United where they they only start playing when they're two 0 down. Uh, but at that point, it was too late. Um, I think it's more of the other team sort of stops. <laughs> yeah, they, start United, they, start actually, the lead. they sit back a bit and United go, oh, we might actually get, you know, a chance yeah. to attack now. And then I watched I watched City West Ham, but I, I expected more of a fight from West Ham in that game. I think City just kind of had had a handy there as well. So yeah, pretty I don't know. I, I usually get very excited from the first weekend of fixtures and this 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 year for I don't know why, just yeah, a little bit mundane, I think. Mm. Um actually let me put that jersey back in the bin <laughs> back in the drawer i'm not actually gonna leave it on the floor um it's a nice jersey i'll say that it is a nice jersey um so yeah i mean i think i think it was more or less everything uh, that i expected except fulham obviously fulham doing better than i, I anticipated they would yeah. mitrovic already up to his uh usual season end uh goals in the premier league with two so good for him um Otherwise, not a lot to say. Yeah, United works extremely poor as they as they tend to be. Um, oh dear! Fancy Premier League went okay. I think I did break the fifty in week one, which is uh, kind of where I want to be for the season. Fifty-two, that'll do. Um, and then f- uh, for me, outside of the old footy talk, mm. a little bit more spending money, baby. Oh, baby, we love to do that. Yeah. I was explaining to the guys before we recorded, but I'll do now. I'll do so again now for the benefit of the listeners. Okay. Is um, I bought my new television. How long ago now? Oh, it was right after uh, the big event happened. So like <laughs> a month ago, a month and a half. Big event. The big event where I became single again. About the um, Oh no, sorry. Okay. <laughs> so I bought the new TV. Lovely. Samsung 43 inch 4K QLED. We're gonna spend money on it, and it's 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 a really good TV. The again for me, I'm I'm still wowed by the smart features of it because I, as I've said before, my previous TV I bought in 2011. So I I'd been up till a month ago with no, never having had a smart TV. Always still using Chromecast and the apps on the PlayStation, watching Netflix on the PlayStation 4. Yes, yeah, which I still do as well. Um. Well, now, now that I have the smart TV, I do everything through that because it's much easier. But despite the excellent video quality um, and the smart TV features, the sound quality I found to be a little bit 
lacking. I, I'm not sure why, whether it's the acoustics of the room or what, but it had a little bit of a um, little tinny sound. Yeah. Not, not a lot of bass to it. So I did buy a sound bar on Amazon.com. Uh, they did have some Samsung ones. And I thought, oh, well, initially, okay, Samsung will go with the Samsung TV, right? It's the, probably will get the best uh, quality because of the Synergy. Um, but actually, they were very expensive. Uh, you're talking 300 euro-ish for a soundbar. Mm. So I got one for about half that. Uh, no-name brand one. And it's great. The sound of it is very um, akin to being in the cinema. It's, it, it has surround sounds as well. So it's, it has the bar and then has speakers on either end that sends the sound out sideways in a kind of 360 soundscape uh, idea. And so I keep getting surprised by it because, again, I'm not used to this. I'll be watching a movie and then I'll hear a noise to like the side of me. I'll go, what was that? Oh, it was the, <laughs> the TV making the noise. Okay. It's great. Uh, it's got a lot of bass to it, though. So I'm always concerned about having it too loud, at, like later in, in the evening or in the night, because I haven't heard it from outside of the room, but I, it'll probably be. It's one of those things you can hear it from downstairs, just the ground trembling as it gives off a huge amount of bass. But it's great. Uh, I would definitely recommend if you have some spare cash and you. Um, you, you have the visual aspect of your home cinema setup, but uh, you don't quite sound like you're in a, a cinema. You might pick up a soundbar, especially, you know, when you're watching a Blu-ray, you don't quite have the uh, the THX thing inside of a Blu-ray, but you have that. Uh, it definitely kind of simulates that kind of feeling. It's, it's really good. What was uh, um, what was your, your go-to when you got the TV? Because we actually have it, because again, we are at some stage going to upgrade TV, and I was kind of thinking, yeah. I own one 4K movie, um, well, it's technically three. I own uh, it was like Jurassic Park, the first three Jurassic right. Parks in four K. That was like the one Prime Day deal I got like two years ago. What was your <laughs> yeah. What was your thing you fired up? Because my thing I was thinking of whenever it happens, no matter even if this game is five years old at this stage, when I eventually get it, when I get a four K TV, the most recent Horizon game, I'm definitely yeah. booting up to see what that looks like in four K. Uh, well, yeah, that was that. That was the first thing that really wowed me on it was. Um, when I when I booted Horizon Forbidden West on the PS5, full, you know, settings, let's say. Yeah. Uh, blow, blew away. The, the best game I've ever, best looking game I've ever played. And it is because the TV helps with that. Uh, movie-wise, the first thing I booted up just to see was actually uh, Disney Plus uh, Doctor Strange 2. I thought you were going to say The Simpsons. G- give me that 4x3 1994 <laughs> television show. The one where Homer's eyes are a little bit too small. Yeah. <laughs> one of the season one ones with the like with the, with the with the squiggly people. <laughs> no, just the opening scene of Doctor Strange, and that looks fantastic as well. It did have the um, the motion smoothing on, the, which I turned off on all settings. I hate that on the TV. Where it looks like it has more it artificial oh, makes the more frames. Yeah, hate that, hate that. Yeah. No, That's I a big thing like as it. well as like with modern TVs, the whole palaver of like what are the best settings to yeah. use. Do you know what I mean? Well, this is the thing because when you go into a, a, a Curry's or or one of, or a PC World or one of these sh- stores and they have the TVs and they have they always have the motion uh, blurring or whatever you want to call it motion uh, setting that makes it look real smooth because it's to wow the marks who know nothing well, exactly. About it. Yeah, they go, my TV doesn't do this. Look how smooth it is. And then when you're actually watching a movie and it looks like a home video, 
like like the hobbit when peter jackson did that back in there you go oh, this looks absolutely horrendous so i have that turned off for everything except gaming mode because obviously with my games i want to have that 60 frames right. i want it to look real smooth so um yeah i mean i have some things that i look for in a tv uh, obviously 4k I, I like to have an, a number of usb ports and hdmi ports i'll always kind of look at that very important and devices i have to uh, plug in and also the soundbar connects by hdmi to the tv as well oh really that's i i was actually going to ask is it like an optical cable or no it's, yeah. it's called arc and so okay. it, it receives the playstation and xbox in through like the tv has three hdmi ports receives those in through the other two and sends the information back out to the sound bar through the other one and it works fine so. yeah i anticipated it was going to be uh an optical little cable or something like that but no uh, which is this, which is fine, but annoying that it takes up one of my HDMI ports. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of all the guff for me, Joe. We're on to the main quiet, the main event. Quiet enough week. Um, we did go on Friday. I had a another souvlaki um wrap. Um, I, I'm getting addicted to those now. This this week I had it was a mix of chicken and pork. So I got the little chicken in there, pork in there. There's, <laughs> Tzatziki, tzatziki and the, the chips in the wrap very nice um, I've never but, seen a man so happy to reminisce about <laughs> oh, <laughs> soft pizza bread mm, very nice um, but the big the big moment of the week that I, was that I finally opened all my remaining AEW cards um, I got a bit bored because obviously as you get towards the end you're just getting doubles every time yeah. so it's like ah, I'll put another one ah, keep, go, another keep going until I get a good one I know. So I just opened the last like five or six packs uh, to get it over with. But I did get very close to completing the collection uh, of the base 100 set. There were only, uh, was it three? Yeah, three cards um, that I didn't have. Uh, I didn't have Wardlow, Nyla Rose, or SCU. Uh, fortunately, neither did my good friend Paul. Otherwise, he would have sent me those. Um, but I have, I have procured them from eBay. So for about a pound each or something, one fifty each. So they're on the way next week. So that's good. Um, obviously, I haven't completed all the special cards because you're never uh, going. They, they they're quite rare. I thought should I? I don't know. I might have a look, and if it's only a few cards, I might try and complete it. But I probably <laughs> probably won't. Probably of won't. which the main features ones you mean? Yeah, main features. I'm about ten short. I think ten or twelve okay. short. Uh, and then obviously you've got the Cody ones. I've only got half of those and et cetera, et cetera. But um, I got two, two exciting little cards um, oh, in, the, in the final pack. So I got another rel- relics, uh, which is where they stick a bit of someone's pants or T-shirt or elbow pad into the actual card. Uh, so I've got Scorpio Skies, what looks like his elbow pad or something. So that was pretty good. <laughs> That was good. Scorpio Sky elbow pad to go with my um, uh, Miro bit of fabric. Mm. And I also got another autograph. I got Mr. Christopher Daniels uh, autographed card, which was very nice. So two autograph cards and two relics. So that was pretty yeah. good for the for the boxes I bought. So, uh, yeah, happy with that collection. Get my final cards. Complete that. Yeah. Move on to next season. Yes. Well... I do have a little update for AW cards. Here we go. So I had mentioned that I'd bought a couple of the packs, right? Mm. So what I did was I counted out how many slots there are in my little DD Bob here, right? 
and the ones that I needed, like even just gold cards, I'm not collecting by any means the gold cards or anything like mm. that. Because otherwise, he never ends. Then you go, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. no, I need all the pyros now. The green and the yellow and the fucking. Oh. And then and then my savings are all gone, and now I'm homeless. And yeah, we got his cards too. No, so I I did just count out. So this album can hold 360 cards, right? So the ones that I did I did have pick up picked up. As I mentioned, they can ship them out to you. I was initially only going to ship out like the special ones, but I said, no, let me just ship out all, all the ones that I actually I don't have. And uh, and so yeah, I, I have it. I have it exactly counted out with an Excel file, which ones I'm going to have, where they're going to be placed. I have it all all set up. Look at that. My uh, let's see, where's my little uh, my little green sting main feature? Is gonna go. He's gonna go right there next Ooh, to the other one. Where is he? That's where he's gonna go. Um, and so in doing that, I kind of gave myself, okay, well, how many cards do I need to fill up the album? So I can I can say the album is full, no more cards. Mm-hmm. Obviously, right? Um, so I bought a few more little gimmicks, not a lot, just a handful. And I got two cards that I think worthy of mention, right? I did get another autograph. It is the worst one in the set. Oh, no. No offense. Oh, I, I, is, it I Paul, Paul it is it Paul Turner? That is correct, Joe. <laughs> oh, wow. What a guess. <laughs> He's the only card in there where you go, oh, shit. All right. All right, Paul. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so even like you got Shivani, you got Sting, you got you know Justin Roberts. Even yeah, even if it was like Audrey Edwards isn't in the set, even if it was yeah, her why is, and you got her why is she, she not in there? Why is, she, why is Excalibur not in it? That is strange. There's some weird omissions for sure, but got that one. So what I've done is my my um, special ones, the uh, relics and the autographs. I have up here next. You probably can't see them, but next to my figures, which I have in my shelves behind me, I have the cards just up there. They don't, they don't fit in the album. And I did get another relic, but it's not a relic with a little uh, gold bit on it. Mm. It's, it's, it is a, a red relic. And uh, numbered. I don't remember the number because I haven't received the Asmin shipped out to me yet. Mm. Uh, and it's not a t-shirt. It's a bit of the ring mat. Oh. Uh, which apparently had yeah. wrestle upon it. Uh, Ricky Starks. Oh, nice. So, oh. A nice one. I think it's number numbered. I think I got fifty out of fifty. I think I got the last one, something like that. So I'm excited to get that, and excited to get my Paul Turner um, autograph. <laughs> Stick that up on eBay for a fiver, maybe. Um. <laughs> fiver shipping charge is it? <laughs> I'll pay you a fiver to take off that. <laughs> Yeah, and I did. I did. I did post to uh, to Joe some some cards Ooh, yesterday. I went down to we the post office before they closed. Sent it by registered post, so hopefully Ooh. it'll be over to you before long. Mm. Official. Uh, five cards that you needed. Five uh, gold cards and and a couple of was there a top rope and a main features. Mm. And I even threw in a little surprise. So we'll Ooh. see what that is when it comes. I think I put in two, two, two cards. That's no, not that one. Two cards that I hadn't mentioned to you. I think you will receive as well. So nice, nice. Let's see what they are. That'd be that'd be like opening a pack. You go, oh, I don't even know yeah. what it Ooh, is. Ooh, what's this? Ooh. Or it'll get lost in the mail. Oh, uh, someone will nick it. They'll see that. They'll <laughs> feel it. I go, oh, hang on. That feels like. Hang on. Do I feel a Paul Turner? Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> name written out here. Oh dear. So that was my uh, exciting week. Yeah. And we have a break now until the new cards come out at the end of September. So we just have to wait. Yeah. Wait for two months and then we talk about the cards again. It'll be very exciting. Alrighty. Uh, that is uh, the life golf for the week. Uh, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about music golf? For this week? Yeah. So I was looking through the albums this week. I didn't bother to look on Pitchfork, actually. Maybe I should have done that instead. But I, I just went back to looking at. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I just went to Pitchfork. And the top story on Pitchfork is Frank Ocean is selling gold and diamond cock rings. Oh, uh, right. getting to getting to the meat of the issue. No pun intended. There, uh, oh. um, I went to Spotify's new uh, releases as my way of picking one out. I definitely wasn't going to be listening to Eminem's "Curtain Call" two featuring the hits from when he was bad. Oh, um, that seems like yeah, God Almighty! Why would you? Also, is he retiring again? Is that what he's doing? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Um, featuring only songs from after he wasn't good anymore. Um, but speaking of, I did give a listen to the Kooks' new album. Remember them from like 2004? Yeah. Um, with that one song they had? No, they, they, had that, they had two, didn't they? Two hits? She moves her, her own way. Was there another one? I think they've had a couple. I, they've been, you know, they've been around and they've done all right, right for themselves. I can't, I, but I, I never, I never, never. I was never a fan. I was never no. a fan. But they were they were kind of in the middle, like there there during the um, like British indie boom of the like two thousand and four to two thousand five two thousand six. You had a lot of bands that I was really into. Uh, certainly, your you know Killers, who mm. are obviously aren't British, but kind of came up through the British scene. Franz Ferdinand, the first like Kaiser Chiefs album, I still really enjoy to this mm. day. Um. And then you had some of the groups that I, I didn't get on with at all. Never liked Razorlight. Never liked mm. The Foles. Mm. Um, and then you had groups that kind of fell in the middle. That oh, once I, I hear she moves her in her own way, and I go, eh, it's all right. I quite enjoy that. And then I never really look into it anymore. The coo- and the Kooks definitely fell into that category. Just kind of an inoffensive, very kind of boilerplate, run-of-the-mill, curly-haired, tight jean wearing uh, <laughs> indie band that just looked like completely interchangeable from any, like there was nothing that stood out that made the kooks, you know, unique or memorable compared to any other mm. English uh, indie band at the time. But uh, I saw their name pop up on Spotify and I said, Oh, I'll give them a little listen, see what they're up to now. 16 years after their uh, peak. And they have a new album out called 10 Tracks to Echo in the Dark. And uh, surprisingly, they don't sound like um, young indie boppers, you know, early 20-somethings anymore with acoustic mm. guitars and I'm wearing my jeans and I'm going out. No, now they sound like they've, they're, they're trying to eke their way into the like modern Coldplay slash imagine dragons oh, kind of side oh, of the market you've mentioned two worse bands if at all possible <laughs> i know <laughs> um so they're kind of yeah they're, they're kind of moving into more of a a, a modern what what rock music is now i guess is that kind of um 
sound. Uh, definitely the first thing when I when I when I I was about to say booted it up. I guess you don't boot up a, a, an album, but the first thing that came to my head was this sounds like Coldplay, and specifically Coldplay since like post. Um, Le- uh, what's the name of the album? Not X and Y, the the one that has uh, Violet Hill and v- Viva La Vida, uh, whatever that album is called. Viva La Vida and all Viva his Vida friends. Is the name of the something, album, isn't something it? like that. I don't remember. Yeah. But like Coldplay post that album have a, a different sound. Obviously, the early Coldplay. It sounds it sounds very similar to that. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually thought it was fine. I thought it was I thought it was perfectly listenable, but not particularly you know memorable. Um, there's a, there's a handful of good tracks on there. I thought I think the first two tracks in particular, "Connection" and "Cold Heart," are are pretty good singles for that kind of um, sound. That kind of uh... now the sound is not necessarily for me, but as far as this goes, this is as good as it's going to get, I guess. Um, and then the, the album kind of just kind of fades away. Um, kind of lost me in in the middle, uh, even though it's very short, thirty two minutes. I did feel as I hit kind of track six, track seven, like all right, I'm ready for this to start winding up now. There's there's not a lot that this is offering me, even though it's it started off quite well. I was kind of into the first two tracks, like I said, and then I just kind of fell off. Um, so that's the Kooks ten tracks to Echo in the Dark. It's it's all right, it's all right. It's definitely not a, a indie rock so, uh, album, which I I thought I was going to get. Um. There was a really good indie indie album came out last year by a, a Wigan band called The Lathams, uh, which is more what I was expecting this to sound like, and it didn't it did at all. So if you if you're into uh, a Razor Light or the Kooks sounding album, listen to that instead, and don't listen to the Kooks. So there you go. Alrighty, let's music off for the week. Um, Telegoff. Um, I, uh, I'm still watching that uh, players the uh, uh, mm. the uh, esports spoof thing uh, from the American Vandal people. I'm a couple of episodes in. I'm si- I'm still enjoying it. It is not a laugh riot. I will say. Um, I'm. They've kind of leaned quite a lot on. Um, Say, you know, having characters saying things like, and then he just blorked up my mid lane with a with a cybot soldier. Like, can you believe that? And it's kind of like, okay, I get it. You're you have made a full television series about esports. You have to move on beyond just like laughing at League of Legends. You have to right. move on. Like, I get it. I get it. And I'm not even saying. And I'm not even because they because they seem to have like the they have, seem to have the official League of Legends license to make this show. So okay. I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, I think they get it, but I'm kind of like, okay, I need you to move on a little bit. Uh, but I'm still enjoying it. It is um, it is not quite living up to the hype of American Vandals for me, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, on that same uh, uh, note, I decided to, um, since I'm watching it and my, my trial left, I was like, all right, I will pay for a month of Paramount Plus because I'm watching something on it, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so I filled out my list, had a little dig around. It is not the deepest service yet. No. Like they have their little MTV and Nickelodeon subcategories, which are like super tantalizing. And then you go in, and they're all like half filled. Like M- MTV, yeah, the MTV section on Paramount Plus has every blank mom uh, reality show imaginable, <laughs> every blank shore uh, uh, imaginable, um, and they they are soon getting the new Jackass series, but they do not have the original Jackass series on there. 
Um, so that's missing. The Nickelodeon is the same front. They have a handful. They have Rugrats and they have SpongeBob, but they don't have like you know Cat Dog. They don't have Rocco. Do you know what I mean? If you're gonna go, if you're gonna appeal to that age group that would give a shit about original run Rugrats, because they have they have a reboot series that's made in PS2 CGI. It looks horrible. And then they have the original beautifully animated show. But if you're gonna go for that group, put fucking Rocco's Modern Life on there. Like, come on now, let's let's do that. They don't have that. So mixed bag. Um, but they've got some gems on there. They've got two shows I've really wanted to watch, uh, like Oz and Deadwood, neither of which I've ever seen. So I'm like, all right, good. Uh, so I've, I've cultivated a decent little list. And I decided, given because I know Paul talked about the new Beavis and Butthead movie. I decided, I was like, you know what, I, I, I have only ever seen bits and pieces of the original. I saw bits and pieces of the original run, and then I watched all of that like last season they did eight yeah. years ago, whatever the fuck it was at this stage. Um, so I, I, was like, I was like, I'll go back and I'll watch Beavis and Butthead from the start. I don't know what is going on, but they came out, you actually mentioned this a few weeks ago, so they said they're going to remaster the entire show. And they even say they're going to go out and it would have the music videos. It's going to be all on the up and up because their their various DVD releases over the years have been very spotty. Didn't have the license to that. Didn't have the license yeah. to this. And from Googling around, my understanding is that they have it in the US. But for whatever reason, the UK and Ireland Paramount Plus, it's got like five episodes of the original run of Beavis and Butthead. It's like one episode from season four, two episodes from season six, and like one episode from season eight or some shit like that. It's like a completely random smattering of episodes. Um, I don't know when they're going to resolve that. I, I searched around and all I saw was people asking the question and the official account coming back and saying we're working on it. That was all I ever saw. Yeah. So that was a bummer. I wanted to start from the beginning and work forward, but not an option at the moment. So what I decided to do is I just I watched the first episode of the new season they did uh, for you know to coincide with the launch of Paramount. I'm fairly sure this is like their one of their big original things. Like yet another new series of Beavis and Butthead season nine. I guess this would be. Um, I don't know if they're doing weekly drops or what, but there's two episodes up on, on Paramount Plus now in the UK. I watched the first one, myself and Brona, and I thought it was okay, the first episode. Um, uh, they have obviously modernized it by having those little interstitials where they're laughing at music videos to now be like they're laughing at like uh, reaction content creators and TikTokers and stuff like that, which actually works better than you might expect like you can kind of i can kind of see that being a little bit eye rolly like eh, do i really need beavis and butthead to get with the times that way you know but it's it works because it's it's a lot of the same basic jokes they just laugh at it and say it's stupid uh but in a way that's that's fun um i i i thought that was amusing enough in the first episode the actual the actual stories of the episode one uh the first one the first story of, of episode one is they go to an escape room um and i'm interested to hear as if more people watch this what they think of it i think across episode one i had a handful of laughs and to the point that i was like okay i'll keep watching this but it was a lot of really basic kind of just their dummies who don't understand how it works and i was kind of like a lot of this is there's one scene where they don't where they can't figure out how to use a, a door that says pull and they're pushing it. And I'm like, uh, all right, are you going to do a whole season of this? Like, you know, um, you know, I realized, I realized Beavis and Butthead was never the most fucking sophisticated, uh, nuanced comedy, but, um, I got a handful of laughs out of the first episode. Um, uh, and I think the little interstitials are actually quite good because we're living in such a stupid time now 
then it is actually fine. Because one of the one of the little reactions they did was, uh, and these are all these are all legitimate YouTube clips and stuff like that they've pulled. Um, uh, you know, in the same way they would they would listen to real music videos and stuff like that. Um, one of the things they reacted to was like a girl vlogging her opening her Harvard uh, acceptance letter. And so I was like, you know what? That's a fucking stupid thing to do. I would never watch it. It's obviously very popular because people do that. But so they, them just sneering at it in that stupid Beavis and Butthead way is amusing. So while uh, I'll persevere with the show, um, I thought it was okay. Paul, have you watched any of this yet or are you waiting for it? Or No, I watched both episodes. Oh, you watched both episodes. Okay, what did you what did you make of it? Very enjoyable. Very okay, okay. I was curious where you would come down on it. I was curious. I didn't know. To your point, I think the um, the pull on the door bit. You're you're totally right. It's like n- not even particularly funny, but it was such a small bit of it. It mm-hmm. wasn't like there was five minutes of time spent on no, it and attention no. drawn to it. It was just in the background, and it was there. Um. Yeah, my my favorite element of the comedy of Beavis and Butthead is when they're they're in a situation and it'll just be, oh, yes, yeah. that's cool <laughs> or something like it's it's that that's what's funny about it to me. Um, I thought it was very good. I will say the biggest laugh I got was in episode two. So if you okay. haven't watched that yet, that might still be to come. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was quite good. I liked the escape room episode. Um. Was episode one the the one that had Beavis and Fire then? The yes. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a dud for me. Um, I, I I kind of appreciated the idea, but um, yeah, kind of felt like something that should have been like two minutes long, and they gave yes. it the entire second half of the episodes. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, to me, Butthead is secretly the funnier character anyway. Than Beavis, it again. It's like Bart Simpson. It's it's when you're younger, you, you you're drawn to the the louder, funnier, funnier in inverted commas character. Or oh, fire, oh, TP for my bunghole, cornholio. Corn okay, and then when you, when you <laughs> revisit it, when you revisit it, you go actually, Butthead is the the true Beavis and Butthead aficionado, you know, uh, favorite character. Um, so yeah, I thought that I thought that was weaker. Uh, I did did like the clips where they were watching uh, music videos and, and TikTok videos and the like. I think it's a, a clever upgrade. But yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a hair guy, so I really enjoyed the last season I did on MTV as well. I, I, I've only seen, I have a box set of Beavis and Butthead. I've never gone through the, the entire old back catalog and watched the episodes in full. So I'd definitely be interested to do that. I'm just a sucker for Mike Judge and his his really incredibly dumb comedy, I guess. Yeah. But I remember I remember the last MTV series being it was, it was relatively sharp, I thought. And for for yeah. going into it with the same cynicism I'm sure a lot of people are going into this one with. I went into that one thinking, well, in twenty twelve or whatever it was, what can you really get yeah. out of people? But I actually thought it was a pretty pretty fun season, I thought. Um yeah. yeah I think you have to go into it with a certain mindset. It it is it is really not um, the most layered. Yeah, I will say though, this is a point you made already. Finding that show on the Paramount app was a huge pain in the arse. Yes, because uh, it's it's not on as Beavis and Butthead season nine. It's Mike Judge's Beavis and Butthead season one. Yes, and and they have and and so they've that labeled as new series. They also have a new series sticker on the on old the show that does not have quote unquote season nine. Oh, it's terrible. The, the the usability on that on that app is not great. As most of these things are when they come out, it doesn't seem to work great. 
Um, and no communication on when the rest of those episodes are coming either. It's very bizarre. No. They just said they'll be added when they become available, whatever that means. Which I'm assuming is some sort of discrepancy in music rights between the US and the UK. Isn't it always? Some really trivial, stupid shit like that. that speaking, probably of, speaking, of that dollars. speaking of that, um, Tenacious D, who I'm a, a big fan of, they put out on Audible a few days ago a like, two-hour podcast, kind of podcast, kind of autobiography thing. It's, a, it's part of Audible's word and music series, right? Okay. I was like, oh, give that a listen. Two hours, them talking about how they got into comedy and working with, you know, Bob Odenkirk on Mr. Show and then getting to HBO yeah. show. I was like, that'd be interesting to listen. Only available in Canada and the UK or in the USA. No, no, Canada no. Is. Canada and the US. No, no UK. No. Uh... And the problem is because it's linked, it's linked to your Amazon account. So if you don't have a USA or Canada based Amazon account, you're shit out of luck. But you just pirate it. Not even. Can't even pirate it. I haven't found anybody. Ah, I mean, that's the thing. I suppose soft it's a, a subscription service tied to people. Do people even bother? <laughs> I, well, it's free. It's free on Audible is the problem. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. So if anybody in the US wants to uh, wants to get that for me and r- rip it to a big fat MP3, I'll give it a listen. But otherwise, I'm stuck. Um. So yeah, I, I quite enjoyed Beavis and Butthead, and I will continue to enjoy it as I think it's it's going to be one a week that comes out now okay. uh, from Thursday, I think. Um, I did finish season one of Nathan for you. Oh yes, okay. Mm-hmm. What's the end, what's the end of season one? Uh, well, you do have the claw of shame. Yeah, oh yeah, it, yeah. It's very very good. I'm gonna pull his pants down, expose them to children. Very oh, funny no. episode. Um, and then the last episode was the private investigator. And, oh god! Um, yeah, private investigator, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, he had his the guy on his staff to go on the blind date and talk about <laughs> <his stuff. laughs> two two reoccurring characters, which is which I can promise you is is very exciting. Yeah, even the girl that he had to go through blind date, I'm pretty sure she was on the the hunk episode. So I think yeah. I've seen her before. Yeah, it was, it was very good. Very much enjoying Nathan for you. But now I'm taking a break before I go straight into season two. I'm going back to Righteous Gemstones. Get mm. that finished. So I started season two of that today. I don't want to say it was bad, but what I like about Righteous Gemstones is that it's very funny, but also it can kind of on the on the you know blink of an eye can get very serious and very tense, Breaking Bad style. Uh, so I was a bit disappointed to see that see episode one of season two was basically nothing but comedy, and I was waiting for the bit where it's going to get. Tense. It's going to become what I like about it. And it just never did. So mm. hoping that the rest of the season can kind of step it up. But also in season two, it doesn't feel like it's really continuing on from the end of season one. It feels like it's just been a hard reset. Okay, now let's give these characters something to do for season two. So I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed with it because I thought season one was very strong. You were very high on it. I do remember that. I was very high on it. I must say, episode one of season two, give it a. Give it a C plus. Mm. Uh, and that's what I've been watching this week. Speaking of uh, Paramount Plus, we um, finally, with nothing, we couldn't find anything to watch on any of the other streaming services. So we <laughs> hit that smash glass in case of emergency and got Paramount Plus. Mm. Um, and the first thing that came up when I logged in 
was a giant image of Bruce Willis advertising Apex Predator, uh, one of those geezer teaser movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I right, noticed that as well. Rightfully yeah. skewered by uh, Red Letter Media. And I was like, oh, God, this does not bode well. <laughs> and like That's... an exclusive, like they paid to have one of those made. Like, oh, oh my, my God. God, like that's the first thing you want to show people, really. So obviously I've not watched that. But yeah, I had a look through Paramount Plus. It is, it's not deep, um, no. to be honest. I think we've probably got a bigger backlog of content doing this show than, than they've got on there, <laughs> in, all, in all honesty. I mean, they do have all of every episode of Frasier, so mm. that's obviously fantastic. They do have like the Scream movies. And they do, I mean, Paramount is obviously a great, you know, historically a really good studio. So there are some like classic, not classic movies in there that it's like, oh, okay, they've got that. The sort of things that never really show up on like Netflix or the other ones because they like, don't pay for it because no you know, not that many people want to watch it. So there's a few gems in there, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not that deep at the moment. Yeah, um, we did start watching a show called "I Love That for You," uh, which is a comedy that Michelle really wanted to watch. Which uh, is about Home Shopping Network and a woman that's grown up, kind of dreaming of being like a presenter on a home shopping channel and idolizing the presenters. And she finally gets her dream job doing it, and it's about her kind of rise through it. It's pretty funny. Um, it's got some kind of recognizable faces in it. Molly Shannon's in it. Uh, a few other people, uh, a few sort of SNL alumni. It's that kind okay. of, uh, that kind of vibe. But it's quite funny. So yeah, watching that and, um, I probably will watch or I'll give players a go. It seems like Barry's not that keen on it this week. <laughs> he was, he was higher on it last week. I, I'm still enjoying it. it, but it's just like, I just remember like American Vandal. I, I, swear, I would yeah. howl laughing yeah. during it's American perfect. Vandal. And kind of they 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 the mystery they wove was like legitimately mm. quite interesting. And then with this, it's like they've got these this dynamic between these two players, and it's not bad. But I feel like I'm not as compelled by it as I was by the central mystery. I kind of just want to rewatch American Vandal, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm going to stick with it. I'll definitely finish it. It's not. I've had a chuckle or two watching it, but I'm I'm yeah. Now, if you've got if you've paid for the thing, I would say give it a watch. Um, you know. Yeah, I, I will watch it. Um, yeah, exploring the rest of the stuff on there. A lot of their own, a lot of the original content does look very much like streaming kind of parody, like a parody yeah. of a parody of what you would go. Oh, it's Renee Zellweger and she's a murderer or something. You know, it's, <laughs> oh, all the ideas that you know Quibi turned down. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will, I will give it a couple of months and and uh, yeah, see see what we can get out of it. It is. I mean, that is kind of the thing that, like, as all these services come out, it's just kind of like Disney as well. The amount of stuff that's on. Mm. Well, I mean, obviously, you've got your high profile Marvel, Star Wars. We, we talked about that to death. But, but all, a lot of the other stuff that just seems on there, I'm like, what is this? I would never even want. Prime has the amount of stuff that's Prime exclusive. You look at it and you go, oh my God, this all looks like tat. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, Netflix to an extent, and look, they pioneered that model. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and they had some real bangers early on, but now it's just like the amount of shite floating up on. On, on Netflix, yeah. Because we're getting all these services and it's mainly to watch repeats of shows you like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like Frasier box set. I'm basically <laughs> renting the Frasier box set for five ninety nine a month. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I do want to watch Frasier from the beginning. I do want to watch it. You um, should, but he's got the big the big hair. The big hair, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that little dog. Simple oh, times. God. Oh, my Frasier. God. God. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, 
few other still watching only murders in the building which is uh continues to be really funny really like that um we were listening to a podcast this morning actually it was an interview with steve martin steve martin talking about the kind of creation of the show uh, that was very kind of interesting to hear his thought process behind it originally it was going to be kind of three sort of old farts like him martin shaw and another you know old comedian uh, but then they brought in selena gomez to give it a bit of a contrast which was ended up being i think a really good idea um so that's that's still very fun and then haven't watched the latest uh, rehearsal yet the um episode four how are you up to date with them all perry or are you still yes just literally just before i came to this show i watched episode four and i mean not not a, like the the quality is at like a consistent level like it's really excellent mm. but like the 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 mentalness is directly sloping up with each episode i mean it is it's got it, I, I had that same reaction i had when i was watching episode three which is like this is mental that he went to this like and it's one of those things when you're finished watching you're like what was the pitch for this show yeah. when he sat down with hbo what was the because it because it the kernel at a much faster rate than Nathan View, a lot of which mm. Paul probably still hasn't even seen yet. Nathan View yeah. does kind of go off to other directions uh, while still maintaining that that same core. This yeah. is just so off the reservation, like it's it's unbelievable, but it's it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it is fantastic. It really is. Man, uh, speaking of Nathan View, we did rewatch the first few episodes of uh, that series one. So the uh, the poo flavored uh, yogurt, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, those that went oh the security guard security guard in the clothing store <laughs> yeah. who's supposed to let people shoplift, but then he's obsessed with massive boobs. boobs. Like oh, it was so fuck. That was very funny. And the only thing is, I kind of forgot how it was very different that first series. It was so much more like Sasha Baron Cohen type where. Like for example, he's in the the mall with the summer Santa, and they they yeah. throw him out, and he's like, "You oh, don't swear in front of kids, you kid." And it's it's very like a Borat or an Ali G type thing, right? Which is not so much. I think when I think back to what I really enjoyed of Nathan for you, it wasn't more that kind of stuff. It was the more subtle like character stuff, whereas that feels very kind of silly and a bit a bit farcical, but. Um, yeah, still very fun. And then other than that, we watched um, the first part of this Woodstock 99 documentary that's on Netflix. Yes. And so I did watch a documentary about that before. I can't remember kind of where it was or who made it, but there was a, another documentary was about it. HBO last My, year, was that, I think? I know, this was a while ago, I think. Um, okay. I can't remember where I saw it, but yeah, I was kind of fascinated by it. And I think this, this documentary is... It's so interesting because it's watching it and watching the people who are there. So Woodstock 99, if you don't know, it's, it was the 30th anniversary of the original Woodstock, right. except it was nothing like the original Woodstock. It, it basically became like a new metal kind of festival. Uh, we're full of just new metal fans. And I watch it and it just remo- it just makes me think like the whole of America was in the Attitude Era. Like everyone in there is acting like a, a Attitude Era wrestling fan. They're just like... <laughs> dicks out screaming at women to take their top they were screaming at cheryl crow to get her tits out i mean <laughs> oh, like what <laughs> cheryl crow like come on that was mental and just like moshing and fighting and screaming at the camera and it was just like god what a weird time like that whole kind of jackass as well that era the wwe wwf and new metal that whole south park and everything like that it was just a very i don't know 
people going crazy like end of times kind of era. <laughs> I think I think that is one of the biggest credits you can give Vince for the attitude there. Not just yeah. like the stories were good and the characters were good. It was a legitimately their probably their last correct reading of the tea leaves about where yeah. the cultural conscience was at the time. You know, absolutely. They they knew they read what the people were into, gave it to them. So yeah, really really interesting. I look forward to watching the the other couple of parts of that. Um, and I'm now starting to think if I, you know, that question of like, oh, if you could visit one, you know, event in history, where would you go? Oh, I'd probably go to Woodstock 99. It looks fucking <laughs> mental. Just like, I just go there and I burn down a food stand and get my dick out and just mosh with listening to fucking corn or Limp Bizkit. That'd be amazing. Um, just like yeah. slam someone through a table, you know. I know. It le- it's weird because I feel like we're also now going through sort of end times again, but it's not exciting it's just depressing it's like covid and recession whereas there it was just like smashing shit up and i don't know listening to awful metal music like that was that was that was the better kind of collapse of society in my opinion at least it was more fun um yeah so so it's a good mixed bag of tv this week for me anyway yeah yeah i want to get to that uh, i do want to watch that woodstock um also in the uh, in the Netflix book, and I'm still I'm still persevering with um, uh, uh, Resident Evil. Still enjoying it way more than I I, I was expecting. There's um, uh, a little too quippy for me. All the kind of villains talk in that exact tone mm-hmm. you can probably imagine in your head. Um, mm. You know, it's not perfect, but I'm I'm still enjoying it. But yeah, uh, that is the telly for this week. We will move on here to the movie guff um speaking of that tone you can you can hear them talking and i'll I'll very quickly talk about a a new release i saw this week i watched bullet train which i'm kind of you know it's one of those movies that i think before and now especially after i've seen it i think more so than anything in the actual film i think i would just i would like it to succeed because i would like there to be more movies like this which is like mid-tier action with a couple of stars attached to it and, you know, a not gigantic, but also not small budget either. It's a nice little mid-tier, middle-of-the-road action film that is not part of an established franchise. Mm. And I don't have to see some guy up on a stage saying, here's our plan for this franchise and all this other stuff. And also it's in a, it's still being released in a cinema. It's not something was like, oh, you, you like action. There's this really great thing on Prime uh from korea i'm like can you can i go to the cinema and just watch a like middling action film even though it's middling i just kind of want something to be in there mm-hmm. uh that's bullet train so basically it's a uh, brad pitt plays a uh, uh um uh, a sort of assassin who's like sort of trying to go straight so he's kind of trying to do more menial grab jobs rather than assassinations he has to get this briefcase that's on this train and uh, long story short, there's like six other charismatic, mysterious assassins also on the train and all their jobs directly or indirectly revolve around this case. And so you've kind of got like this this kind of uh, eclectic cast. You've got Brian Tyree Henry. You've got um, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh, uh, Michael Shannon is in it in a very limited uh, capacity. Really good cast on paper, really fun premise on paper. It's directed by uh, David Leitch, the guy who did Deadpool 2, which is um, not like the greatest film ever, but kind of like, you know, seems like an okay guy to direct a film like this. And it ends up being like sort of all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't regret seeing it. I would watch it again on a lazy afternoon if it was on Netflix. It's that kind of film. 
Um, uh, some of the uh, uh, a lot of the action is is pretty decent. It has an okay sense of style, and it has a, a great cast. Couple of problems. There are now problems that are like boilerplate. Do you know what I mean? You can like just keep them by your side and slap them on basically any movie. Now, first one, of course, is in the third act. They have big elaborate set pieces that are entirely CGI, and most of it does not look good. Hmm. That is now the exact same complaint you have for every single movie, regardless of which studio it comes from or even which genre it's in. It's horror movies do it, and action movies are the worst for it because obviously it's a movie set on a train. The train is fucking coming off its rails and crashing into other things, and people are flying outdoors and. Not that the rest of the movie looks amazing, but I think it looks pretty good. I think most of the action looks okay. Mm. Um, and then in the third act, it's just all the, the usual. The usual. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The other thing then as well is that all the dialogue, there's a handful of laughs in there. I won't say it was all terrible, but all the dialogue is what if you could swear in a Marvel movie? That's the dialogue in in, in it. It's it's. Well, that just fucking happened. I mean, it's, it's not dissimilar. Brad Pitt's character as well. He's, so he's this guy who's... He's a, 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 an assassin who's now seeing a therapist and he's he's doing every cliche you've ever seen in a comedy movie about he's trying to be Zen. And that character gets incredibly fucking old very fast. Thankfully, there are other thankfully it is a bit of an ensemble when it actually gets moving. It is a bit of an ensemble uh, uh, movie. And thankfully, the, the other characters are mostly pretty good. But that character gets wears incredibly thin. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry is a f- fantastic actor. He does a British accent in this movie. I don't think it's very good. And him and Aaron Taylor Johnson do the other type of dialogue this movie has, which is like really shit fake Guy Ritchie movie. Like really shit. Like that's that's the the vibe of some of their dialogue. And so that's the problem. And like Thor, there's so many jokes in it that you can't even hand wave it as oh well, there's some not great jokes. Who cares? Like well, this is kind of an action comedy. You tell a lot of jokes. So when they're not great, that's a problem. Uh, so I was very mixed on it. I, I was mixed on it, but mostly positive. I came out of it thinking, I imagine most people I know, I would know, would hate it. I think a lot of people would hate it. I think it's, I think it's, 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 it's the latest example of that thing where it's like, even now non-Marvel movies have to do the Marvel humor. And, and every character is Chandler Bing now in Hollywood every 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 action movie character has to talk like that and it's very yeah. grating um, I've seen a lot of two star two and a half star reviews for it yeah it's got like a 55 on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment and the funny thing is I remember when I saw the first trailer for it I was like oh okay it doesn't look too bad and then every subsequent trailer I'm like oh because the, the most subsequent trailers did more jokes and yeah. I'm like oh yeah and, and it was also one of those movies kind of like Bond where it was playing so much. Obviously, they. I, I guess I, I assume they're banking on it to be a hit. It, my cinema was like half full. Um, it's one of those movies where every fucking film, uh, it had a trailer for Bullet Train uh, uh, before it. So, yeah. you know, it, Brad Pitt in a, in a front-facing role, obviously, you know, um, hoping for a big hit. Yeah, I liked it just about. Um, but I think, I, think um, I can kind of understand where the extremely mixed reviews come from. Um. Yeah, so that's that. Um, on the old film front, uh, we did have a, a double feature on Friday night. We watched The Raid and Dread, which have both been talked about a lot on this podcast and are both still excellent. Um, mm-hmm. I actually like Dread more each time I watch it. Um, uh, uh, that, 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 that scene where he acts into the inner calm and he says, you're not the law. I am the law. 
It's great, even though you know he's going to say it. Because it's <laughs> even though you know he's best bits of movies are the bit where you know he's going to say it. And and that, like that fucking nobody is John Wick. <laughs> probably overdue a John Wick rewatch. Actually, now that I think yeah. about it, think about I think I think Dread watching Dread kind of informed my 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 bullet train stance because I was watching this and I was going can't believe everyone let this flop including me i did not see this film in cinemas and look where we are now it's 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 the greatest film of 1998 ever uh released in 2012 it's so in in the best possible sense it's such a schlocky kind of self-serious noir it's like that brand of comic book movie that evokes a comic book. It's like, that's what they're supposed to do. And it's like very on the nose, very over the top dystopian noir, but that's what it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to water down the comic booky elements. So there's just a gray, boring action movie with lots of CGI in it. Mm. You should evoke these things. And it's like, does, you know, in dread, is it the greatest uh, effects in the world? I've seen worse, I will say. Um, it, it was kind of funny watching a movie from 2012, and it's a movie that is not especially well regarded for its for its computer effects. And I was like, this movie looks better than fucking Bullet Train. It looks better than Thor. It looks better than fucking Spider-Man. It looks better than Multiverse of Madness. It looks better than all of these films. And this is like a low-budget 2012 quasi-blockbuster. Um, yeah, it's, I was watching this thinking it's... it's um, it's a fucking shame that that we're we're basically almost certainly never going to get a, a sequel uh, because it was a massive flop and it was the second Judge Dread flop of our lifetime. So I don't know why they would bother going back. Um, but yeah, and the raid. Who who owns the Judge Dread franchise? Is there a chance like a crossover? Are we going to get a Dread versus RoboCop or something? Because um, I think I absolutely. Sh- think we Two thousand AD, I think, is still an independent label. I oh, think, okay. uh, which means I guess they could be, they could license him out to do something like that. Uh, uh, Stranger things have happened, or also they could just buy. I'm sure someone will just buy two thousand AD mm. before before. You know. It is one of those characters. It is there is still a lot of kind of it's kind of like almost the Predator, and we've got the new you know Predator movie coming out, where there is still quite a lot of juice in that character. It's still quite a well known franchise. Yeah. In spite of the movie not doing too well, and of course the terrible like Stallone one as well, so you kind of see it. Well, it's been ten years. Like you could see someone going, "Why haven't we done a Judge Dredd thing for so long? Let's mm. do a fucking multiverse of Judge Dredd." Like <laughs> Stallone <laughs> and Stallone and Urban in one. That'd be yeah. Great, I'd be up for that. But you are right. That's probably how the the twenty twelve one mm. happened. Is people just looking through the portfolio, going, "We done this one in a while." Yeah. No, okay. Right, let's do Robocop, it. Robocop, Godzilla, you know. Yeah. It, it just goes around and something. Yeah. And it's kinda it, it's 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 kinda similar. It's gonna it's very mad maxi three years before that film, because it's mm. like Urban is really good, but he's pretty good at just being that stone faced granite, just just deep voiced, fucking great performance, but just not the not the deepest character you can really buy into in a meaningful way. And he has the 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 plucky sidekick who is the actual character in the movie. Um, which again, I, I enjoyed that element a lot more in the uh, uh, on a repeat viewing. And again, like I was saying, in terms of evoking the feeling of a comic book, I went and I bought a, like a little ten euro thing on eBay, a, a compiled Judge Dredd thing. I was like, well, I want to read a, a comic book now because you got me tantalized with the world and the action and the grime and the characters, and I want to see the Mama story. You know, uh, Lena Headley great in that um, uh, film. Yeah, Dredd, the Raid, both great. Um, uh, you know, 
the raid. We've talked ad nauseum about the raid on this podcast. It's great. Um, yeah, those were my uh, those were my movies. What have you boys been watching? Uh, I watched a new release as well, but, but as you mentioned, not available in the cinema. Only available on Disney Plus. Yes. Yeah, I'm intrigued by this. Do tell us more. Uh, Prey, mm. which has been getting insanely good reviews. I know the yes. Irish Times, which is some, a place that I keep my eye on, uh, gave it gave it the full five. And it's not particularly long. It's like an hour 40. So I said last That's night. That's why I got five stars. <laughs> I said we'll, sh- we'll stick on Prey. Now, Prey, for those who don't know, is the new Predator film. Mm. Set in pre-colonial 1700s America, I believe. Um, okay. It is, uh, just to give some background, right? so first of all, actually, I've seen two Predator movies prior to this. So I've seen the first one, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm. And I saw Shane Black's The Predator, which yeah. absolutely sucked. <laughs> uh, which, which was maybe the worst film I saw in that year. That came, 2018, I think it came out. Yes, I I, I gave uh, the Predator the uh, the half a star. Really, I think I gave it like three. I was the high man on that. Of everyone it, I know, oh, I hate I hate it. It was pretty. It wasn't. It wasn't very good. I it wasn't yeah. very good. So we have Prey come along, uh, directed by. Um, do I have the director to hand? Actually, I know it's the same director who did. Uh, yeah, Dan Trey- Dan Trachtenberg. Trachtenberg, that was it. Yeah. Who did uh, did um, Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I was. I was pretty high on. I, I quite enjoyed 10 Cloverfield. Um, I thought Prey was very good. Uh, I don't quite think it's a five-star movie. That seems kind of madly high to me. But certainly after The Predator, I think it's a, a welcome re- return to form for the franchise. It's a perfectly good Predator movie. Uh, it looks very good. The character work is all great. The acting is all great. Uh, the name of the lead actress is great, <laughs> which is, let me look it up here, uh, Amber Midthunder. What a name that is. Because <laughs> um, they do cast a lot of uh, Native American actors in the movie, to its credit as well. Um, and so it has a kind of, I uh, don't want to say a border plate story, but it's it's the same framework that you've seen many times before. Lucky up-and-comer in the tribe needs to prove themselves. I called it the good dinosaur plot <laughs> when I watched it. But I think you're the only person I know who saw that film. So I, I thought the good dinosaur was a big old pile of shite before Pixar turned bad. How about that? <laughs> um, and yeah, I thought I thought it was perfectly good. Um, I will say it's they, they to their credit, whereas Shane Black tried to make it a snarky, almost a dark comedy, right? Here they keep it simple. They keep it straightforward. The predator arrives. It's going to fucking kill a load of people. It doesn't stray too far from that formula. Uh, But almost to the point where the film is so straightforward and so cleanly mapped out that at the same time it loses some of its um, spontaneity and feeling of danger of, ooh, what's going to happen? Is someone going to jump out here? It's all very, very straightforward. It's almost like... It's precision and how cleanly made it, it is. And it, like I said, I think it's very well directed. I think it's very well acted. But the fact that it's so well acted and well directed almost it loses its edge a little bit. Um 
But I thought it was I thought it was very good. I, I gave it a seven on the letterbox. I think I, okay. I wouldn't go much I wouldn't go much higher than that. I think it, you're looking at the three star to three and a half star range. Some people who are more into that style of movie might get slightly more out of it. But I I I watched it and I was fairly pleased and entertained. I would struggle to give it the full five. I I didn't I just didn't see it like. Um, I think while I was watching it as well, I never fully connected to it. And so it never felt to me that it went into like fourth or fifth gear. It just kind of trundles along at a nice pace. There's some nice kills. There's some nice, uh, well-structured action in it. Well thought out action in it. Um, but it never got to a point where I was wowed by it. Um, but a thoroughly, a thoroughly enjoyable predator movie. It's kind of back to the place where they can do something, creative with it and uh it, it did go some way to kind of watch the taste of the shane black one out of my mouth so yeah well done on that so this is the superior prequel because this is a prequel isn't it because like yeah this pre- is pre-colonial so yeah, it's superior yeah. to alien versus predator you're saying well i've only seen the first avp i never saw requiem i, I don't uh, i don't think anyone saw a requiem i only uh, saw the i only saw the ws one and uh, um, I thought Alien vs. Predator sucked. It was really horrible. And I, I have to imagine, I mean, because there's a fandom for everything. I have to imagine if you were a big alien guy, which I guess I am. I like the first two. Yeah, like everyone I, I, does. The first two I, like, I like Prometheus as well. How annoyed were you when it's like they they were invented as a little plaything for the predators, little toy for the predators to fight? You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it's so shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's like Discovery Plus buying HBO Max. That's basically oh, the equivalent yeah. of Predator beating up Alien. It's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking when Paul was talking about you know. Uh, you know, prey not quite being on that upper echelon. It's like, well, not to sound like the guy who runs Discovery Plus, but I wonder if it would have been a, a movie like that, like a Predator movie, maybe better served in the cinema mm-hmm. than on on Hulu as it is in the States or Disney over here. Yeah, and it, um, it does feel, I guess, I haven't seen Bullet Train, but it also feels like kind of a mid-tier action movie, which is, yeah. it, ser- it serves that purpose and does it well. And I kind of, yeah, I think it would have been better served seeing in cinema, although my sound system was fucking perfect for watching Hopping. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's 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 quite good, honestly. I'm, I I don't want to be the one on the island, and then everybody sees it and thinks it's amazing. But it's it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. Um, I did though watch two movies that I think were both better. Okay. Uh, I watched the two Bong Joon Ho films I picked up uh, previous week. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Ooh, baby, let me tell you. So, Memories of Murder, which until the title screen came up, I thought was called Memories of a Murder. It isn't. Um, is actually the second one. I, I kind of watched this out of order. Not that one's a sequel to the other, because they're not at all. <laughs> but Barking Dogs Never Bite is Bong Joon-ho's first movie, uh, which came out in 2000. And then Memories of Murder was the follow-up to that in 2003. But uh, started with Memories of Murder, based on a true story of um, one of uh, South Korea's first, or at least most notorious, serial killers. So it is a Zodiac-style noir about uh, a serial killer in in Korea. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen much of uh, Director Bong's other films. Obviously, you've seen Parasite. I would say this is very similar to uh, Parasite in a sense, but also another film he made in 2006 called The Host, which is a monster movie. 
I've never, still just, never seen anything, and I didn't see uh, Snowpiercer either. You know, love all this. But what what he does well in in all these movies is, you know, when we talk about, um, you talked about this in Thor, I think, where all the moments of uh, tension or, or moments of seriousness get undercut by comedy immediately, right? Um. So in in his movies, what he does is he undercuts comedy with serious moments, right? <laughs> so it's actually the 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 opposite. Like Memories of Murder is is a film about a very serious um subject matter, and I was watching and kind of in the first thirty minutes, I kind of wasn't sure about. It. I was like, is this too goofy? Is this there's mm. some some real almost bordering on slapstick comedy? And then there will have been a scene where I, I'll have realized that I haven't breathed for about five minutes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Where I'm so suddenly on edge. And I, he does that really, really well in his films. He, he, he can kind of take a, a moment from being quite goofy and then very quickly have you on the edge of your seat, which Parasite had a bit of that in it as well. Parasite at points was was silly. I wouldn't say it quite was as goofy as this movie ever was. But Parasite at, at points is is quite silly, quite funny. And then there's moments where you're oh, oh can't watch. Um, Memories of Murder. I, I wouldn't say is better than Parasite, but it's I, I would say it's not far behind. It's not quite as creative, let's say, as Parasite because it's based on this true story and and, and does it very well. Um, but Memories of Murder, I would say, is one that's worth watching, especially to try to go in as blind as you can to it. Because if you know certain elements of the true story, I think it, it almost lessens the impact of some of the stuff they do in the movie. Um, but I, I thought it was bloody fantastic. Definitely after you get through that first... And I, I'm not saying it's like a, well, the first 30 minutes are shit, but once you get through that, it's good. I, I As I watched it the first 30 minutes, I was a little bit, is this for me? Yeah. Um, but bloody hell, there's there is a good... 30 minutes that's as good as anything i've seen uh in terms of oh i was i was on the edge of my seat watching it it was so so good so tense and mm. uh, you're the, the same actor who was in parasite and is in the host and is in snowpiercer uh also appears in memories of murder yeah uh, song kang ho who's the father of the family in parasite who's okay just, just great so so he has his signature actor he has a signature. He's like one of the most famous actors in South Korea, I believe. He's in a lot. He's in some of the Park Chan Wook films. Um, I know he's in Thirst, and he's in uh, some of the Lady Vengeance films. And he was in another great Korean movie called The Good, the Bad, the Weird, which I, which I have in Blu-ray and I really enjoy as well. But Memories of Murder, top top tier. It's it's absolutely great. Uh, Barking Dogs Never Bite is his first movie, and definitely has some of his hallmarks in it. But, um. I would say it is certainly not one of his top, maybe even the top five Bong Joon-ho films I've seen. It might, it might even be the weakest one. I still gave an eight on Letterboxd, but it might be the weakest one. There's a high betting average. Yeah. Um, not one to watch for uh, dog lovers, I would say. Um, oh, no. The, well, to give you some context, the movie opens with a disclaimer that no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. Oh dear. And it's like, a, it's a comedy. It's a dark comedy, but there are scenes of like, uh, animal abuse and killing of dogs. Um, so if you're, if, if that's something I know, I know a lot of people, there's the thing of like, does the dog die in the film? Mm. Um, in this, for this film, particularly the answer is, uh, yes, many. Um, but I, 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 again, while I, while I started watching, I was kind of wasn't sure on it. And then by the end, I think I kind of 
came around on it, which again is kind of a hallmark of his early movies is that <laughs> they kind of peak later on. Um, so it's definitely a slow burner and definitely a, a grower. Um, it's a, basically the plot of the film is this uh, unemployed uh, academic who's trying to become a professor. There's a dog barking in his apartment block and he can't take it and he has to find a dog and, and dispose of it. And there's an element of um, man versus bee, I suppose, to it. <laughs> <laughs> of, of recent Netflix f- uh, fame. But um, it's definitely much darker than that and there's directions that it goes in that are very dark. And there's actually a scene in it which is very reminiscent of a scene from A Serious Man, the Coen Brothers movie which is the best scene of that movie is also the best scene of this movie. Um, yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was very good, but not quite as good as Memories of a Murder, not as good as Snowpiercer, not as good as Parasite, not as good as The Host. Um, so there's two Bong Joon-ho movies left I need to watch. Mother, which I have on Blu-ray, and I'm maybe going to watch this week, and Okja, the Netflix movie about the big pig. I'll watch that next week as well. I'll watch those. I might give Parasite another spin because I did get that 4K Parasite Blu-ray. I might give that another watch. Mm-hmm. Then I'll have watched all of his movies, all uh, eight or so, seven or eight of his movies. Yeah, as Barry said, he's got a high uh, batting average for sure. He's, I think he's the one of the top directors, I think, on the go today with, with Villeneuve and, and Nolan, or certainly of directors that I enjoy a lot. Uh, Anderson, Wes Anderson as well. Uh, so that's what I watched. Joe, over to you. Just the one film. So Paramount Plus, as I mentioned, they have a lot of kind of classic older movies that you wouldn't find on, uh, you know, your Netflix or your your other streaming services. So I watched a film called Foul Play, which is a very early 80s film starring one of my favorites, Goldie Hawn, um, and also Dudley Moore and Chevy Chase and a few other probably familiar faces. Uh, from that kind of era. <clears throat> so it's kind of a, a dark uh, comedy murder mystery type show. Um, it's something that I watched as a kid and really kind of stuck in my mind because it has some quite uh, unusual characters in it. So one of the main characters, one of the kind of killers is like a, this really tall, like albino guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, that really stuck in my mind for some reason as a kid. And this is quite a little bit scary as well. when you're like seven or eight watching this. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I haven't, and I hadn't, I hadn't thought of this film for years and years. And then when it came up, came up on Paramount plus, I was like, Oh God. Yeah. Foul play. I remember that. I remember seeing that as a kid. So uh, we popped it on and it is, it is very funny. Um, I, I really love Goldie Horn. All of her kind of films from like the eighties and early nineties. She's so kind of funny and charming. She's like a almost like a female Tom Hanks. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's um, quite a silly film, but it kind of you know well done. And the, weird, the weirdest thing, and both Michelle and I kind of remarked on this: the, the cinematography is just really good <laughs> from, from for all okay. of it. That the, the yeah. shots that they choose and the lighting and everything. It's like God, this is. They, they used to like, even for like silly comedy murder mysteries, they would actually film it like a proper film. You know what I mean? Like there'd be these big kind of sweeping shots of San Francisco. And then there's one shot where Goldie Horn's kind of being pursued by one of the bad guys through us uh, down this kind of busy street. And it stays the whole time on this incredibly wide shot where you can see that like, the whole of the street, like it never goes in for, for close ups. It net. 
it never goes in for that kind of um, you know handheld camera feel that makes everything feel like you're watching birthday party footage. You know, right? Oh, oh, cameras down. <laughs> it's like no, just film it and let me see what's happening. I don't want the camera moving around. Thank you. Put it on a dolly or a tripod or whatever. Um, so yeah, a, a really kind of funny film. Although I do have to say, Chevy Chase for me it never works as like the good guy. He's no. he just comes across across as such a smug arsehole. He's perfect. He's perfect in that role. It, but as the love, like the love interest yeah. or the kind of nice guy, it never works. Yeah, method acting. I think, I think they figured. I think they figured it out eventually, but it took yeah. a while. Is the, the thing is, uh, Dud, I actually said, yeah, Dudley Moore, who is yeah, a very funny British actor, he would have actually been a lot better as the love interest rather than Chevy Chase because he's very, he was very likable and kind of funny. Um, unfortunately, Chevy Chase is very tall. Dudley Moore very short, so he couldn't okay. be the love interest. They had to have the tall man as the love interest, short, silly man as the the comic relief, because that's kind of just the Hollywood you know ranking. But the it would have been, be. been it would have been a lot better the other way around. But yeah, fun fun trip down memory lane, quite a fun fun movie. All right, Barry, tell me about you played that hitman level. How'd you enjoy it? Mm. Oh, yes. It was a bloody good one. I actually forgot about that. Yes, I played that this week. It was a whole lot of fun. Uh, I would probably, on a gut reaction after playing it once, I would I would put it like upper end of the mid-tier, if that makes sense, right. uh, on, the, yeah. on the grand scheme of, of ranking Hitman maps, if we if we consider our uh, Parises and Sapienzas as A-tier you know, um, it's not quite up there, but it's it's uh, it's you know a solid like high C thereabouts. Uh, really good. I am, uh, and I, I did stream it. It is on on YouTube. People can watch me fumble my way around that, um, and I quite literally did fumble some bits because I was kind of like I, in a roundabout way, I figured out the trick to get the two targets in one room, and then yeah. uh, uh, I well, but I didn't know where the room was, and then I was sprinting across the map and realizing oh, i could have done this earlier i saw that i saw that i didn't know that was here and one of those ones where it's like if i'd spent longer combing the map you can always piece those things together but that's the joy uh, of him man uh, that that, that is that is the loop and and i i do appreciate that so one really interesting novelty of this is that they did not put explicit mission stories in this yeah. map now you can kind of still tell what the pertinent information is because if it has subtitles that means they want you to be able to see the the relevant information but i kind of i kind of liked not having it just written out for you i mean yeah. i i always like to play those games with the mission stories on but without the map marker right so it doesn't tell you exactly where to go but it tells you what you're going for which i think is a good balance this kind of proves it's like eh. Maybe next time, obviously, their next project is, is Bond. But if they circle back to Hitman in the future, maybe they'll take a chance and say, you know what, we're not putting mission... There'll be mission stories in there, but we're not telling you what they are. You yeah. just do it in the style of Ambrose Island and figure it out. Uh, really, like, really nice environment, as they always are. Really interesting. Totally different vibe to anything else uh, in the season. Like, they've done tropical locations before, but not quite like this. The little secret dungeon area, the, like, castle. It looked like somewhere fucking Nathan Drake would have to escape out of... Is is uh, on um, uh, uh, on the map, and then they have their the the objective was not at all kind of difficult to really get to. I, I it didn't interfere with my my run. It was the first thing I did. I went and did it. It's about 20, 25 minutes of like puzzling around to try and figure it out, and and then I figured I figured it. 
Um, uh, uh, and as you always do in Hitman, I kind of like half completed some other mission stories. And I was like, all right, I'll figure out how to do this yeah. next time. I'll come back and I'll do that again. Um, no, it was great. It was really, really great. Um, uh, you know, as I said, it's it's uh, a, a worthy addition. Um, yeah, I did eventually do the thing where you can set off a certain signal that puts them in one room. And I had also made a, a, a completely unique mechanic. There's two completely unique mechanics in this map. There's the there's a, a quasi-fighting mechanic that I won't get, get into in case anyone hasn't played it yet. Yeah. And there is a there's a quasi-crafting mechanic. And I did make a bomb. Uh, uh, and I very uh, once I once I'd gotten them in the room and I had struggled, I'd failed once or twice to get to the room in time, and I'd fucked up once or twice. So when I got them in the room, I literally just threw it in and ran away. Uh, uh, and I managed to not kill anyone, in, <laughs> other than the two targets. I managed to not kill anyone in the process, which was great. Yeah. It's great, loved it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got some very fun. I've obviously finished it since last week, so I haven't come back to it, but. I did get the get them in the room at the same time, and uh, there is a uh, a very fun way that you can kill them both at once from a distance. I won't say any more than that. Um, and uh, yeah, there again the the objective. There's a very easy way to do that. Again, might might involve uh, an explosion that you've uh, prepared in advance. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I mean this. I I really enjoyed it as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think the the length of it, the size of the map, and everything. I I definitely think I got my fix. I I I it, it didn't leave me wanting more to the point that I'm like itching to play it. But I, I know I'm satisfied from what I got. I, I'm left wanting more. Obviously, I'm looking forward to whatever they put out next. Um, and I think there's enough content in there to keep me satisfied. So good job to IO. Um. Yeah. Yeah, well done, the lads. I I did I did come across the the extremely long distance way, but I I remember looking at it and I was like, I just definitely it's definitely not as simple as just pushing. No, it's not. There's, there's some that. stuff you have to collect. There's there's a timing aspect of this that I I yeah. know from these games. I know it's not that simple. I and I, I did um I did get the sniper assassin by having okay. them meet in the room and and kill them both with one bullet, basically. Beautiful. Um, beautiful. Um, I've been playing a bit of Horizon. I'm, oh God, still ticking away at it. I'm, I've, I've hit about twenty five hours now. Um, and I think I've about thirty two percent overall completion. Wow! So slowly but surely, it's a big old game. Um, haven't hit a wall yet by any means. Um, I think there's enough content in it, and also the 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 stories are. are I think they've taken an interesting way with the way they've structured it is the stories are or like each individual mission or side mission is about 30 minutes to complete and so it almost feels like a, a, a tv series episodically that you can turn it on do one mission that you'll meet new characters you'll go for half an hour and then the you know the littlest hobo goes on the next adventure you know next time I like the way they've done that for sure. And then you meet old characters. You go, like, oh, I remember you from a few episodes ago. <laughs> Even though it's just one continuous game, I think I think that's a, a clever way to do it. It's almost. I don't think it's the the side missions are quite as deep as something like Ghost of Tsushima, but I think it's the closest I, I've played a game that that's felt like that. And this is beautiful, obviously. Still, um, so yeah, I've, I'm. I don't even know how far through it I am. I might let me just bring up a, a horizon walkthrough, just so I can see mission wise 
where yeah. I am. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn walkthrough. I am okay. Oh my god, this so. Wait a minute, this is the first Horizon game. You fooled me, IGN. Forbidden uh, West. Yeah. Forbidden Wished. Okay, let's have a look. Um, so they have it split up into early game, mid game, and f- late game. So I am... Okay, I'm halfway through mid game. So I'm I'm all, almost exactly halfway through the game. Okay. Okay. So you, with that, you can expect that overall it'll probably take me in the range of fifty hours to complete. Which, Which is about what I'd heard. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm not looking to do every single thing in the game either. Every single fetch quest and every single uh, what what was it in uh, Ghost of Tsushima? The the fox statues and do everything in the game. Yes. I, I don't think yeah. I will. I think I think it's 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 almost approaching Assassin's Creed Odyssey level of it's just too big and there's too much stuff to do. Um, but I'm definitely enjoying it still. Uh, actually, I just got to a bit where I wasn't able to save because uh, there, was, there was no um, no um, what did I call it the f- uh, bonfire thing. Um, oh, those yeah bonfires. No, that's what they are. Yeah, the bonfires. And there, but but also I was in an area that's like mid mission. It kind of locks you into this area, so I wasn't able right. to go. So I, I just have the PlayStation on rest mode. So maybe when we finish here, I'll go and plug my way through that. But yeah, still very much enjoying it. It's um, it's uh, it's it's very good. Uh, yeah, I want to get back to that at some stage. Um, uh, yeah, uh, at the moment, uh, I, I went back to. I think I mentioned this last week in my seven million games I was playing. I went back to <laughs> Trek uh, Trek to Yomi. Yeah. I did finish it. I mean, I, I think it is one of the best looking games of of, of the year. It's it's uh, it's doing that black and white heavy film grain thing way better than a lot of, and it's been done a lot in games. I think it's it's doing it the best. Yeah. I think it does it a lot better than Ghost of Tsushima, which was a for a game that was so lovingly crafted in so many ways. Their little uh, Kurosawa mode they added was was it? It was like an Instagram filter slapped on it. It really wasn't. Whereas in, in Trek Tiomi, I mean the 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 depth of the uh, of the blacks and the shadows and the lights and the the way uh, you know, fires and things like that really burn on the screen. It is a phenomenal looking game. And there are certain, uh, it uses the fixed camera angles again, which is like a thing I'm increasingly falling in love with, like the way they frame the levels to the degree that in some, sometimes the actual combat is impeded a teeny bit because you're like, you're, you're, the, you know, your, your camera is framed slightly pulled out as you're walking along what looks like a beautiful hand painted picture or or a still from a real film from like 60 years ago uh and it's a little bit hard to make out the like parry cues in the combat but it is it is amazing i mean it, right. it, it looks the like i posted some screenshots to, to twitter when i was finished and it's kind of like but the thing the thing that's really cool is like these gorgeous painterly shots that look like they could be from an actual like samurai film of, of the 40s is they, like you're moving around in it like you're playing through it it just it's great I, I wish the video game aspect of it was better. I, I found the combat to, all the way through right until the end to be fairly unsatisfying. I found a move that I wouldn't necessarily call it a hack, but I found like a two-button combination that like gets through enemy armor and allows you to do like a finisher. And I spammed that one move basically the whole right. way through to the end of the game. Because I was like, you know what? I'm not enjoying engaging with this combat in any meaningful way. So if I can find a trick that just gets me through the fights, I'll just use it. Um, so yeah. 
that was uh, I'm glad I went back for the, for the, for for the style it offered up. I, I was glad I went back. Um, uh, I haven't gone back to Stray uh, this week. Um, I feel like the, I've, the novelty kind of wore me. I'm going to finish it because it's only like five hours long, but I haven't gone back to that just yet. Um, I did pick up after, after checking Trek to Yomi off my list. I did pick up uh, Citizen Sleeper, which is another Game Pass game. Uh, it it didn't seem like my kind of thing, but again, it gotten a lot of acclaim. And when it's on Game Pass, like I right, you know fire it up, let's see what it is. It is kind of a a, a sci-fi um, tabletop role-playing game inspired thing. It has a premise. It's not at all similar to it, but the core premise is a little bit Severance-like, where your character is the emulated conscience of a person put onto a weird human robot and fired into space, mm-hmm. sent into servitude for like a corporation basically and uh, uh i think you basically come come aground on this floating um uh, space harrier that has like a, a a little colony on it and you don't quite know who you are your 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 memories aren't great because you're like an emulated consciousness on a robot and you basically have to survive that's basically the way it works uh it's not a, you don't move a character around a world in any significant way the the main the main screen of the game is a map of the ship and you basically pick locations and it's basically you go there and you have dialogue. So you're not actually walking point around click. an environment. It's point and click. Yeah. And it's, it's entirely text-based. No, no, well, there's some beautiful art, but there's no voice acting. Um, and so you have, um, it's a game of maintain, of monitoring lots of meters and countdown clocks and, 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 and things like that. So you have an overall health meter, game doesn't have traditional combat your health ticks down over time because you're a weird robo man hybrid okay. and your your body's like rejecting your organs at all times so your your health is ticking down with each day um uh so you have to work jobs to earn money to buy an antidote that calms your system down you have an en- you have an energy system that means you have to buy food you have uh and losing uh trying to do actions without energy causes your overall health to decay faster um, you have a money system, obviously, to buy those things, and then you have uh, um, jobs. And so basically, uh, you you click around the map and you say, okay, I'm going to go to the docks today, and I'm going to help uh, break up this shipwreck uh, for scrap metal. And where the tabletop aspect comes into it is that you have dice. And so it's like uh, you at the start of every day, you get a random collection of dice of various values. And obviously, the higher the value, the more likely your dice roll is to succeed. And again, in the style of a and d or something like that, your characters, it has a, a, a class select at the beginning. And so your character can also buff or debuff your chance of a successful roll each time. So you go and you work at the docks and you roll a dice and it's a it's a fail. So uh, you not only don't complete the task and get paid, but also you get hurt, that kind of thing. Or you or you succeed and you um, uh, get paid and also uh, the dock workers like you a bit more. And so if you go and you work at the docks enough times, that unlocks a new mission strand, a new person you could talk to there. And that's the that's the core thing of the game. And so with um, uh, the dice are consumable. So if you go and decide and, and to work at the docks, you don't just cast all your dice at once. You pick one, 
your your high number of dice that has a high chance of succeeding, you cast that and you win. And then when you're out of dice, you go to bed, and that's a day. And when you uh, advance a day, there are certain story events that are like, oh, this character is working on something for you, but it's going to take three days. So you have to wait for them to finish it. Uh, this character their mood with you is not great. So if you don't get this other mission done within three days, they're going to be off with you. So you're basically kind of managing all these different times. And it's kind of like, okay, I have a day left to finish this mission for this guy. But if I spend one of my dice doing my mission for him to keep him happy with me, my my character is also nearly dead. I need to go and do a well-paying job to buy some antidote to keep myself alive. That's the dynamic of the game. It's... I it, it's for as someone who is not a, into a proper role playing at all, this this didn't sound like my type of game, and I, I may not be doing it quite justice by explaining it. The tutorial I thought was pretty pretty damn good at getting a lot of these concepts across. Like I said, you've like three separate types of health for your character. You have money, you have meters, you have times. It actually it, it came to me fairly quickly, and I found it really compelling. The writing is really good. The music is fantastic. Despite not actually having levels that you move around, the presentation and the music is phenomenal. The presentation is very good, and it hooks you in. And I feel like this might even be a gateway for people to do actual role-playing stuff okay. because you are you are making actual decisions. And like I said, it was kind of like you uh, um, like um, the first mission you do, the first character you meet is a guy who runs a scrapyard. And he says, look, the first kind of job you can do to get a little bit of money at start is you can go and you can just do menial scrapyard work. And uh, as the other missions start to open up, like, oh, I can talk to this guy. I can go here. I can talk to this guy. I'm constantly keeping an eye on on him because the very first character you meet, he's, he mentions in passing, like, oh, I owe a lot of money to some people. And so he has, like, on a on an eight- or nine-day counter, uh, he has a meter going down that's, like, he owes money to these people. And if the meter ticks down without him, without his scrapyard successfully doing enough business that he can generate money, they don't say what. They don't say, oh, he dies. They don't say this is like this meter is counting down and something negative will happen if you do not if you do not help him enough in the next whatever it is week or whatever. So I made sure that he was OK. And so that then open. And so by making sure he doesn't have his legs broke by Fat Tony. Uh, when that week is up, I he's he's happy. He's still in business and he has new missions for me. And that's the way it goes. And so I've I've met other characters along the way, but I made sure to spend my extremely valuable energy and time on cultivating that relationship and making sure his scrapyard keeps running. Um, so yeah, Citizen Sleeper, it's really good. I'm, I'm really good. I paid about an hour and a half of it. It's pretty short from what I've heard. Um, it's about like six hours, which makes sense because that world map you're on, it looks pretty small. Um, now they, they cram a lot of characters into it that you can interact with, but it's not, it's not you know, Witcher 3. It's 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 fairly uh, um, small in scope, but yeah. really interesting, really really interesting. Um, so that's Citizen Sleeper. That is on. Uh, let me check here. Actually, as I have my uh, list open, um, it is on Xbox on a Game Pass. I'm actually not sure what other. It's on uh, Switch and PC, okay. I believe. Also, so you can play it on those other uh, platforms. So yeah, that's what I have been playing this week. That reminded me of a, a Switch game that I played years ago. It's called Subsurface Circular. I don't know if yes. you Yeah, I didn't play, but I'd heard a lot about that. Well, yeah, it reminded me of that. And I just, I just looking it up, found out that uh, another game. I don't know if it's a sequel called Quarantine Circular also came to Switch. I might need to have a look at that because I, I did yeah. quite enjoy Subsurface Circular. Um, good. Well, before we um. 
start talking about the wrestling, I do want to share something with you guys. Okay. Because it's my brother's birthday tomorrow. Oh. I got him a card, and I just want to show you guys the card. Is that a shiny Moxley, is it? I think you got a kick out of it. You, he wishes. So, <laughs> I'll give a little shout out. Hidden Treasures Ireland on Etsy, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Is the brand that's backwards for you guys. Hidden Treasures Ireland. So I went to Etsy where all good things are found. And I got this little son of a bitch. It says, your birthday has... Oh, arrived. my God. <laughs> that is oh fantastic. Please <laughs> picture me, Daddy ass. Yeah, we'll picture that. That Max Caster is outrageous. That's a great yeah. one. Oh, that's true. Very good. So put that away now for tomorrow. I thought that was a nice one. Um, right. I haven't watched Rampage. I haven't watched Battle of the Belts, whatever number it is. Uh, but I did watch Dynamite. Okay, well, what did you think of Dynamite? It was all right. Yeah, um, it was all right. It was all right. Uh, well, we have Jay Lethal against uh, Arch Cassidy. Jay Lethal is the new Adam Cole. He's on every show. Every oh, show, yeah. long matches. Oh, my God. Ring of Honor. Adam Cole was never on Ring of Honor. Oh, my God. Um, I will say the, the good thing about this Dynamite is at least it feels like we're getting a little bit away. We've had the, the Forbidden Door, and then we had the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, and now it feels like we can focus a bit more on AEW. Because mm. it feels like a while since we've we, we've had Ring of Honor everywhere. We've had New Japan everywhere. Okay, let's just do AEW for a while again uh, and kind of phase those things down a little bit. Although, yeah, enough. Yeah, can we get a, sh- a week without Jay Lethal? Not that he's bad, but like... Yeah, he's a bit... He's not a compelling character. He's on every show and his little gang which i'm not particularly into if you want to say he's not bad fair enough but i would say he is not good enough to be all over the show to the degree he sure. is he's you yeah. see him more than literally anyone else including the world champion he's got yeah. a nice finish but that's it they're like the tna nwo that's what i was thinking sanjay <laughs> dart sanjay dart jay lethal and the big man it's they get they they're on the show more than end up the nwo run nitro i would probably <laughs> think i would imagine I'm not sure why, because there's a lot of talent on the... I know there's a lot of injuries people out, but they've got a lot of talent. I don't know why they're getting pushed so And I, I understand they needed to give Jay Lethal a little bit of a bump to uh, you know, have some believability, some level of believability for the Wardlow match. Yeah, of course, yeah. But I don't know that I would have had Jay Lethal beat Orange Cassidy so clean. I mean, Orange I Cassidy was, is one, I was one of their surprised. big stars. Yeah, bit of a weird one. Um... What else do we have? Uh, I did like the undisputed elite segment. That was that was quite fun. I think they it felt a little bit like they got to the f- climax of it a bit quickly. Mm. It reminded me a bit of the uh, was it the Drew McIntyre Goldberg uh, segment that got cut for time that one time, and that Drew was arguing about a point that Goldberg had never made, or vice versa. Mm. This felt like it, it very quickly got to the point of oh well you know if you if you're not picking um, Bobby Fish then you can't be in tournaments. But I was like, did we did we ever see a segment where they had the option to pick him? It, it, I was confused. I did not understand the segment. <laughs> they, no. they 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 did a thing where they have done segments where the Bucks were back where Adam Cole was talking yeah or where where they were talking Adam about it and, and Hangman walked up and they were yeah. going like, ooh ooh ooh. So I guess I guess the idea is that they they will obviously be in the tournament in some capacity, 
but Adam goes like, "You have to pick one of our boys and not that bold boy, Hangman." But they, I, we never, we never saw the the segment though where he said, "You have to pick one of our boys." It just went straight to, "Oh, if you're not picking Bobby Fish, then you can't be." In but the I, but it was implied. I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna implied, defend Tony Khan here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend Tony Khan here. It's like, well, there's a, there's, it, it, it's a three man tournament. It is, yeah. And there, there's two of them bucks. Correct. So, so do you immediately go, "Oh, but they have to pick someone." Yeah, so give give us a thirty second backstage where they say that, and then he says, "He says, well, you're going to be picking Bobby Fish, right?" They had a, they had, they had a ten minute segment where Adam Cole came out and said it this well, week. He, he didn't say it though. That's the problem. He didn't. Like, it was it, it was implied. Better, but yeah, but he's like, you better pick Bobby Fish. No, no, but, you, Joe, back me. But up. when did they go? When did the Bucks go? No, we're not picking old Fishy. They never said that, did they? I thought it was just Adam Cole talking and going. Adam Cole's a master psychologist. You do, <laughs> if you don't pick Bobby Fish, right? I'm gonna beat right, yo. You're not picking him. Oh well. Uh, he has a hair trigger you. temper. He's a heel. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen Adam Cole give them the ultimatum. They show a bit of oh, I'm not sure, and then he beats them up. Oh. Yeah, but it just seemed like he just, dec- he just he just decided for them that they're not picking Bobby Fish, mm, and so they have to be beaten up. I- I also thought it was funny that they advertised the Undisputed Elite are back on this week's show and two of them are still injured. <laughs> yeah. So they literally showed up just to kind of, I guess, advertise that they were going to be there. Um, um, yeah. But I, I, thought, I thought apart from that, I thought it was, it was a good segment and I was, I was ready to nitpick because I said, all right, well, we're going to need to have Adam Page come down for the save here. And what they need to do is they need to play his little and if they don't play the music and he just runs out, I'd say, oh, you, you, you botched it, boys. Yeah. But they, they did it perfectly. He had his little... Always play the music. That's a, When people yeah. say, oh, you shouldn't play the music, nah, they're idiots. You gotta, you gotta play the music. You gotta play the music. That's, that's and his, his outrageous pants. His butterfly pants and his, uh, his uh, white vest he had on. It was uh, certainly a look. Um... But no, I, I like that. I like he came out with his big loud pipe, swinging it. <laughs> um, which they love that in in AW, don't they? Don't people people come out with lead pipe the whole time? I've, yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, <laughs> they're trying to bring that back into style. They play a lot of Cluedo. Like yeah, like, like Clue. <laughs> um, Christian Cage nearly got hit by a car. Jungle Boy. Oh, it was great. And it, 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 oh, talk, it's talking about his family again, saying he'd never stoop that low. And <laughs> Jungle Boy comes in with the. Oh, that was great! It, it was very, very good. It was very good. Um, women's tag was very good. Can I have Enjoyed. a nit- can I have a nitpick? We're not quite there yet, but relevant to that, yes, of course. Let's just it's a little Paul's nitpick of the week, um, present, <laughs> presented by Joe. Joe. Um, Jungle Boy wearing the Christian is a pussy t shirt. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that because it makes it comedy. It's supposed to be a really serious, like, I yeah. fucking hate Christian. I want to kill him. And it's like, he's got a silly t-shirt printed up. It's like, yeah, yeah it's like the Eddie, what was the Eddie Kingston one he had before? Which was like, these nuts. Redeem these nuts. Mm. Yeah. It's like, but, but even that, I, I can kind of, I can tolerate that because like Miro wasn't like your dad's a dead idiot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I I agree on Joe's nitpick there. I I I'm, I love a nitpick, so I, I same. No, that's fine. That's fair. Um, um, I do I do I do also want to point out the, this was a hilarious show because that segment followed the undisputed elite. Undisputed elite also had the shot of the crying child. Um, yes, crying at the breakup of the elite of all the things in wrestling to cry about. I was like, what? 
That was that was mad. Maybe it was just the injustice of it all that had them. Uh... <laughs> yeah. He really wanted to see Young Bucks versus Bobby and Bobby Fish as a trios team. <laughs> he's, he's fantasy booking that. Um, We've all been there. Taz announced that Team Taz is no more. Yeah. Bit anticlimactic. Bit anticlimactic, and I love Team Taz. And also, do you know what this felt like? He's been on commentary more and more lately. And he's been doing, and with all the Team Taz of that, he's like, oh, I I didn't even know that was happening. This kind of felt like they're like, okay, we're breaking breaking these lads up, obviously. We're doing that. But also, we don't, we kind of don't even want Taz to be a manager anymore. We just want him to be commentator man. So we're just going to have him Mm -hmm. say, and just to be clear, I don't know anything about this. And if I start talking like a normal guy for the next few weeks and I don't get annoyed anymore because I'm just being normal, man, that's why. It felt like that's what they were saying. <laughs> Which I have to be honest, Taz, Taz was fucking great as a manager. I'm a little bit disappointed. Look, at the end, maybe he's kind of like, look, I had one last great run as a manager and now I just want to go back to being... Yeah, possibly. Commentator man, which is fine if that's his prerogative, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's based on the fact that even when T- Team Taz was still a unit, he never came out with Hook for a match. Hmm. I think it's pretty clear he doesn't want Hook to be Taz shadow guy. in a sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. what do you do? Give him the Taz belt. <laughs> well, that was, yeah, yeah. That's funny. I think that was more to get off Starks and have Starks start mm-hmm. to do his thing yeah it was time it was time for Starks yeah. for sure um uh, did you enjoy speaking of t-shirts did you enjoy thunder rosa's new sandbagging it t-shirt no it was it was the second worst new t-shirt of the week behind, yeah oh, behind uh, i we are pathetic little men who do a wrestling podcast for a decade and uh, even i am like this is shit i have no interest in in you i have no interest in even if it even like even like uh, even if it wasn't true, I, I I have no interest in you making these references. But then you also have the fact that it doesn't seem like it's not true. Um, and, you know, it seems like Jamie Hayter's nose got broken on Friday night. Um, I think I think that kind of thing needs to have an organic controversy around it for it to be useful in any way. Yeah, I, well, I, think, I, I think it did, but I think I just don't think people care. Like, well, that's it, the point. It, there was no clamoring or, or crowd outrage behind it. Yeah. They, and they like, are creating that themselves. And it's also like she's the baby face. Why are you doing yeah. a storyline where she's the shithead and Britt Baker is the correct one? Uh, oh, and like a segment a few weeks ago where Baker gave her a physical sandbag. Oh, my God. Tony, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing, brother? Oh, my God. Um, he was paying attention to that the, the preparation for that Fulham game. He wasn't... Uh... Yeah, his eye off the ball. Yeah, well, can they fucking lose or whatever and get relegated so, he, so a dynamite could be better again? <laughs> um, so Powerhouse Hobbs had his match, won it easily. Starks ran down, he got destroyed. Yeah. Love a bit of Hobbs. Oh, I love Hobbs. Um, Hobbs is great. This Miro House of Black thing. Can, can we have a match or something at some point? Like three weeks of vignettes where he goes, my God. Which the vignettes are great. Don't get me they're, wrong. They're great. But like come it. on, let's do something. It's also been like the same one three times. Like it hasn't been. Basically. When he, when he was doing the original Redeemer stuff, which was phenomenal TV, they were all different and they were great and they were and everyone was buzzing after him. And this one, it, if you had told me they played the same MP4 three weeks in a row, I would have said, I wouldn't question you. I would say, yeah, that seems yeah. about right. Um, okay, yeah. so let me take you guys back to 
Dino, the, the infancy of Dynamite, this might have even been, this is certainly a daily space, but it might have been just as we were kind of dealing with the pandemic. Uh, I remember Joey Janela had a match, and it, I was certainly ridiculing him on um, on this podcast about his, his slovenly appearance, which is, so, you know, Sounds like you. Sounds like you. So, some might say justified criticism. Some might say, some might argue, okay? If so, I, I will apologize for my statements. Uh, and I really must apologize now because Joey Janela is no longer the worst looking wrestler to have appeared on oh, God, what Dynamite. Is <laughs> Who is this going to be? He's been usurped. Uh, everybody stand up. We're going to give the award. Uh, Matt Hardy, please come to the stage. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Like, I was wondering what you were going to say, and I was prepared to, to disagree with you because you could be weird about this stuff, but you were not wrong. <laughs> What? What? <laughs> he came out in like a slight, a slightly different version of the classic Hardy Boy pants, mm-hmm. right? Belt tightened as tight as it could be. Tucked into the pants was a tank top. Tucked in to the pants was a tank top. A horrible purple tank top with like a white trim and a, I think the Hardy's logo on the middle of it. Right. And I, I am not enough of a wordsmith to describe the hair. I don't know what was going on with the hair. Oh, my. I thought, honestly, when him and Jeff were just doing the retro Hardy's gear, I thought, you know what? That looks fine as far mm. as Matt Hardy modern looks go. But but because it was, you know, whatever, the pants and the, the shiny shirt or whatever. This, this looked like one of those I forgot my gear situations and I had to go out there in this top i wore to the gym oh my yeah. god oh my god it was ridiculous the hair was all frizzy and fried uh on 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 rupaul's drag race they would say that that was some thirsty looking hair <laughs> um he had he has the 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 chris jericho giant ball spot going now as well which had like gray hair around there's like a gray halo around it um he's he's you know, far be it for me to criticize, but he's been eating the grapes again. <laughs> Not the grapes. Don't do the grapes. He's on the grapes. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have had him wear a, a tank top that was, let's say, slightly looser than the one he had on. And, and because, Barry, like you said, he has it tucked in. So he's got a little bit a little bit of an overflow uh, right above the old belt line. Um, yeah, I don't know what he It looked like he just woken up from a nap backstage. He, he he didn't have the hair wet like he normally does. It's just all big and puffy, um, and then he had a, a, a not a particularly good performance as well. I don't know why they they had him and Christian do what felt like a fifteen minute match so long. And like I know I know I know we're like hardy, hardy naysayers and all this other stuff. But like when they announced that match, I was like, okay, okay, Christian has to just fucking kill this guy. Like it, like especially because. This is like a, a big feud for Jungle Boy. Big. This is this is Jungle Boy's first real test. You're he's still with Luchasaurus, but you're basically kind of going singles here. Like I don't I don't think him and Luchasaurus is going to be the angle going forward. I think it's going to be once in a blue moon they'll do a tag. But this is this is let's get Jungle Boy over as a singles. And Christian's his big heel. And Christian's great. We love Christian. Big pro Christian podcast here. Why is he going back and forth for what felt like 20 fucking minutes with Matt Hardy? Oh, my God. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking, jumps him before the bell, throws him into the post, beats him, throws out of the ring, bell rings, unprettier, 10-second match, concerto, gone. That's what I was thinking. 
um, for this, and we got a fucking match instead. <laughs> yeah, it felt like they were making a point to the young kids. Like, look, this is how you really work a match, brother. And it wasn't good, and it was long. And you would know to look at them, I'm going back to the appearance again, you would know to look at them that Christian is two years older than Matt Hardy. Um, because he, and understandably, he's not been wrestling for about a decade, but he looks about a decade younger. Um, Aging quite well is Christian. Yes, absolutely. Uh, then Jungle Boy ran ran him off, as we said. Um, Ethan, the weird one. Ethan Page was in the ring, ranting and raving, and Stokely came out and gave him a card. No Scorpio, no Dan Lambert. Are we to assume that that's done as well now? Yeah, that was yeah. Um, these are like. We again another thing big defender of. I thought all the factions in AW were great. People should have allegiances, managers. It's old school wrestling stuff. But if they're going to say these people are no more, there should be a big angle where they get where Dan Lambert gets. Dan Lambert should be carried, kicking and screaming out of the building, fired. You know that kind of thing. Team Taz. I mean, like Team Taz is tough. I don't know how you break them up. I don't know if you have Ricky like cut a promo on Taz or or Taz say he. I, I kind of wish they did something a little bit more dramatic with Taz. Like I said, it felt like a disclaimer. It felt like him sitting at the commentary desk saying, "Just by the way, I'm just going to be Taz the commentator now. Don't don't ask me about any Team Taz thing ever again." I feel like there should have been more. Ricky should have been annoyed at him. They should have had a fight. Dan Lambert for the Ethan segment should have been carted off. <laughs> Are we ever going to see Paige Van Zant again? God knows if that will ever happen. I don't. I'm not getting my hopes up. Um, yeah, this was, this was odd. Um, I also don't know if I have too much appetite for Paige and Stokely's group necessarily. <sighs> nah. But that, that seems like, uh, <laughs> that's up there with the embassy, Tolly Blanchard Enterprises. <laughs> yeah. Faction. Um, yeah. I quite like Ethan Page. He's a good, he's a good kind of heel foil. It's, um, we could do something with him. And Joe, you were singing lyrical about the acclaimed in the week, waxing lyrical even. Oh, the 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 best thing going today. This was the real main event. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this was great. A hellacious bump at the end of it as well. Oh, it was brilliant. You could see. You can feet. see you can see his little feet sticking out like the end of the the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> the little witch's feet. Uh, it's great. It was a good. I mean, it was a you know, it was fine. No, no pun intended. It was a trash, trashy match, but um, he gave you what you wanted, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, he, he certainly did that. The uh, make you retire like Vince McMahon line was what I wanted, and we got it. <laughs> yeah, love over you and Anthony Bowen's reaction to that very very funny as well they're a great little team um and then jericho uter was the main event and it was it was pretty good i like that it was a good match yeah good enjoyed yeah i was like seeing the line tamer yeah he had, a bend, he had a bend around like a letter c it was brilliant i i just you know the walls of jericho never looks very good to me even as even as Boston crabs go, it never looks particularly good. So that's why I'm always like, when he busts out the lion tamer, <sighs> here we go. Now we're talking. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, uh, so that, so yeah. that was dynamite. Decent, decent dynamite, not perfect, but 
How was Rampage and Ballad Bells? I didn't have time to watch either, to be honest. No, yeah. same as me. Rampage was another snoozer. Um, oh God! I mean, they put a they put a better show on in terms of making it look like it was important. To be fair, they did, it was a live uh, one, right? This is the live. So yeah, they taped Battle of the Belts beforehand, and then they did the live Rampage. They did Moxley and Mance Warner, which I thought was a, I think Mance is a good pull to have a John Moxley style match with. Uh, in, in in exactly this role where it's like a okay, rampage is really fucking sagging, really sagging. So like we gotta get John Mox and it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who he's against. Pull anyone, pull a guy off dark. Mance is a good guy to do that with. He's charismatic, he he's a moderately well known indie name. Obviously, most people won't really know who he is, but you know, moderate they did a decent job. They they cut a pro he, had, he cut a promo before the match. They explained on Dynamite that he won the um Flair Battle Royale, whatever that fucking thing was. Yeah. Mm. But as, as far as the actual match went, it was not bad, but it was just it was Moxley in there doing the Moxley match with another guy in there taking the beating. Um uh, so it was not bad, but it was okay. Madison Rain versus Layla Gray. Oh, Ooh, baby. Oh, Madison Rain. Hello. Man. Oh, <sighs> man. Mad- <laughs> the fight feet. I don't care about that. Let me tell you. The the fight feet. <laughs> I'm just doing a call back to 2011, CS. 2011, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's, she didn't have her oh, Killer Queen song. Let the pigeons loose. She didn't have the Killer Queen. Well, to be fair, I mean, look, none of us have watched Impact in like a decade, so she probably hasn't had that song for a very long time. But um, uh, she um, uh, she didn't look especially bad. Like, but Layla Gray is not not great at all. And like the the, the entire ad break on the fight feed was them sitting in a headlock, and I was like, oh my god. And Stokely, oh my God, Stokely was great on the outside. He was doing the work of 50 men trying to get the crowd <laughs> to like do anything, make any noise at all. And what was really great was really they were not making any noise at all. And Madison's trying to fire up from the headlock. And so Stokely, even though he's the heel manager, he starts banging on the mat in the rhythm with the crowd going, come on, Layla, come on, you've got her. But what he's actually doing is prompting them to do the clap for Madison, which was genius. Right. It was great. Like he was he was working his ass off trying to get anything out of the crowd. Uh, so, yeah, so they're doing Madison Rain versus Jade on um, uh, on Quake at the Lake. I think that might be better just because, again, I've only seen Layla uh, on Dynamite, but from my limited exposure to her, Jade is already, despite only having however many matches in her life, Jade is already better than, than Layla Gray. Um, so Jade and Madison might be all right, um, I, but, but we'll see. And then the main event was the um, uh, street fight, um, Keith Lee and, and Strickland against um, Tony Nese and Josh Woods. Um, Josh Woods got the most bare bones I think they put more effort into explaining who Mance Warner was than than Josh Woods. He jumped Keith Lee there what last week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, like they showed Keith Lee beaten up, and then they said, "There's Josh Woods." That was it. They did not say. They said on commentary when he came out that he was a former Pure Champion. No video, no nothing. But I will say, I like Josh Woods. I've enjoyed his Pure, his ROH Pure matches. I thought he was really good in this match doing a brawl. So I was kind of like, Josh Woods. I'm like, all right, this is a guy. Maybe you should bring in. I think him and Nice is a good team. It was by the standard of all the wacky 10 million weapon fucking exploding table matches they've done. This was nothing special. It was just another one of those things where they hit each other with bins and did a few table spots. But they actually did. They actually did made good on the the Kurt Angle teasing to suplex Big Show off the apron 
spot from like 20 years ago. Josh Woods spent like three minutes teasing that he was going to German suplex Keith Lee off the apron through two tables on the floor. And they actually, and Nice actually hits Keith Lee and he actually does it. And it was terrifying how Josh Woods wasn't killed by this spot because he they did a German off the apron through the tables and Keith landed on top of him. It was so spectacular. Jeez. It was honestly really cool. And again, that's the type of thing that that's one of those things in wrestling you think would always be teased but never actually happen mm. was to do a German off the apron with a guy that big. But um Swerve in our glory won. Um uh, and that was that. Um uh Battle of the Belts. Uh, yeah so Rampage, I mean they obviously they had a little bit of pep in their step because they got like their lowest rating ever last week. So they tried a bit harder this week, but it's still, it's feeling very skippable. It's feeling very, very skippable. Uh, Bell of the Bells was as, it was the best of the three so far, but still also, if you didn't watch it, you know, um, uh, well, no, actually, no, I'll, I'll stop myself there. The main event was excellent. Uh, Takeshita and, and Claudio had a fan effing fantastic match with, despite knowing what the result was going to be, there was no way it was ever in question. They they had some phenomenal near falls that had the crowd going ballistic. These people were at a rampage battle of the belts taping where there was nothing of any consequence was going to happen. And this might as well have been the fucking double or nothing main event, the way they were going crazy for this ring of honor title match. Uh, that was great. Um, Jay Lethal and Wardlow was nothing. They had a fine match. Uh, again, you know, in terms of, you know, Christian and Matt Hardy, what the match should have been, Wardlow selling, 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 selling for Jay Lethal and then catches him at the end with a powerbomb. So dull. And then after the match, not only does, does, does Jay Lethal take most of the match, then after the match, they do this long beat down where they're beating him and they're beating him. And he tries to powerbomb Satnam Singh, which got a big pop, but they interrupted it. And then... Um, I, I don't know if he's necessarily stealing it. We'll find out on Dynamite. But they did another thing where Jay Lethal picked up the belt, even though he's not the champion and posed with it. Uh, Son of which, a bitch. Which is like the seventh time they've done that. Um, Do you realize what you've done? Um, and in the middle of the match was Jay, uh, Hater and Thunder Rosa, uh, which was good. And you kind of realize Hater is class, um, if you didn't already <laughs> realize. She's a great bumper, uh, for sure. She's a great bumper. She's a great striker. She um, seemingly got her nose broken in this match. Um, it doesn't seem like the... Uh, I don't think the Thunder Rosa um, story is going to go away anytime soon. Mm. Um, yeah, so to be fair, uh, these are all matches that you look at them on paper and, it, you know, I, I can understand the lack of urgency to watch it, but this was bell to bell. This was a pretty good... This is a pretty good show. And this is the third Battle of the Bells, and we still never had a world title match on any of them. No, that's correct. That's, that's and it's yet another one where they're doing a title match next week. That's they, I think for all three of them, they've done a title match within a week of the show, but not on the show. Uh, we're doing Moxley and, and Jericho next week. So that show does look great. I will say that. Quake at the Lake is looking like a, a, a fantastic show. Um, uh, yeah, we will talk about that next week, I would say. Uh, I don't suppose anyone watched any uh, <laughs> WWE this week. I had no fucking time. I didn't even have time to watch Rampage and Battle of the Belts. This is my problem. Even if WWE gets good, it's like, when am I going to watch? Yeah, it's a, it's a big a three time hour commit. roar. I don't. Back when we were all twenty, we had time for watching that. We'd stay up until four a.m. Yeah, watch it every week. 
I suppose that kind of highlights the strategy of having so many hours of content, you know, and kind of why AEW maybe is happy to have a third hour. It's kind of like, well, you're playing the game of, no, you watch our show and you don't have time to watch anyone else's yeah. show, you know? Mm. I mean, this this goes back to last time I was semi-interested in watching WWE. When would this have been? Maybe just before AEW started up. Uh, when I was watching NXT and... You know, every few years there's a little bit of heat on something on WWE, and I go, "Oh, what's that over there?" Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of, I, I looked out for. Do they still do those like one hour catch up shows? And are they on the network? And the answer was yes and no. <laughs> so I just didn't bother. But like, I remember when I used to watch back in the day on Sky One, we all we got was uh, Livewire, and Livewire was my hour of wrestling a week. If they still had something like that, even just for Raw. Now with trip with trips in control, would I watch a one hour gimmick with um you know Michael Cole in the studio going and then Stone Cold came out, let's go to the action. Sure, I'd watch that for forty five minutes. Why not? And you get the last two minutes of, of the match and then the angle. Sounds good. So you need. Yeah, I'm not, not a three hour on. No. I think I think I think YouTube um, cannibalized that for um, sure, which is a shame because like on Livewire and stuff, you'd I think you'd get more meat of the match than what you get on YouTube. I think it was a, roughly the same actually, because Livewire yeah. was only an hour long with ads, so you got forty minutes to summarize a two hour raw with you know cutaways and. and Links with Michael Cole in, or or Jim Ross before him in the studio, yeah, talking about Vince McMahon is dealing with Stone Cold best he can, but Stone Cold sure got him. Watch this, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. I love the Jim Ross fact, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know who would do it nowadays. Scott Stamford is he still around? I think he is still around. I think, I, I think he's doing a show of that description, but I don't know where it is. Well, I, I did find there was, there was one called This Week in WWE, but it was very bare bones. I, th- I think they just showed video packages. And then here's the Miz at a school doing a don't be a bully talk, which was longer yeah. than longer than the match that they showed from Raw. The annoying thing is, I think the, I think those shows, the ones you're looking for, I think they do still exist. I think they're on the network only, though. Um, well, I think that's their. Right. I think that's their workaround for not being able to have Raw and SmackDown on the network. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I would watch a one-hour catch-up of the week with the most important stuff. But otherwise, I can't be bothered. Oh, I think honestly, I think if we hold firm, I think the the bloom will come off the Triple H rose fairly quickly. Right, he's right, already right. he's already brought Killer Cross back, so you know. Uh, with uh, Scarlet, and like he he's he's. Wearing his normal man clothes now, but she's still wearing her Castlevania boss outfit. Yeah, I'm a raven in the form of a woman. Um, Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) I don't know. And like, it was funny because I heard he came back and I laughed and I was like, oh my God, Triple H, you're so funny. And then I heard he came back and he challenged Roman. Mm, mm. No fucking way are you getting me to pretend that's even remotely interesting or or viable because the, the funny thing about like theory as well like everyone has their grievances with theory you know justified and all that do you think this funny is he has money in the bank in no universe do i believe he's beating roman fucking reigns even if brock lesnar shoots him with a rifle before <laughs> austin theory comes out in no world am i believing austin theory is beating him and in no world am i believing that that killer cross is 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 
unseating Roman Reigns after two calendar years. Um, yeah. Maybe, we, I, you know, especially because it'll be on at a reasonable hour, maybe I'll check out the, the UK show. Um, and and let's see what let's see what Triple H's WWE looks like with his first proper pay per view. Um, uh, obviously, SummerSlam basically effectively being a vid show yeah. more or less. Yeah. And then we had the video game news. Oh, finally, the uh, yeah co- cover art and a um, bit bit of information on the game. It's a nostalgic combination of arcade games and modern wrestling fighting. It's no mercy, kind of. Looks fine. I I think it looks good. I think it looks good. I don't know if it necessarily looks like a full-price premium game, but it looks perfectly good. I'm definitely interested in it. That's 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 the thing, isn't it? Because that is the talking point. Is like, okay, I think the graphics look decent for a non-realism-focused game. But is like, you going to charge eighty quid for this on PS Five? I don't know if I will want to pay that. Um, so that will be interesting to see. And I also just like they got to when the game with all those mini games in there, they got to call their next February pay per view Dance Dance Revolution um, <laughs> because they got that like copy Pentagon doing his Zero yeah. Miedo dance. That seemed that seemed funny. Yeah. Um, I watched like when when they first announced it, they they, they had their AEW Games YouTube show, and I found it really irritating because it was them doing a bunch of shtick, and then they'd show you two moves. Yeah, it was Cody Rhodes and and uh, Aubrey or whatever. Aubrey. But then they did this. Now this trailer officially isn't even out yet, technically at least. But then they did the same thing here. It's like a two and a half minute fight. Like, oh great, here's some fucking gameplay, and a minute of it is Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker doing shtick, and I'm like, oh my god, you arseholes. Just play the fucking thing, um, but whatever, whatever. Yeah, it looks it looks all right, and they've kind of confirmed more. They confirmed more stuff. They're going to have a barbed wire death match. The roster seems kind of deeper than I was expecting. It has Abaddon in it. I'm like, all right, if you're right. if you're getting into the weeds in like the women's division with a person like Abaddon who hasn't even been on TV in, in a while, then I'm, I have a little bit more hope for who's going to be in the game now in terms of depth. Um, but we will see. There's still talk it'll come out this year. Pre-orders are up now as well, which is a little bit reassuring in terms of will it hit this calendar year? Yeah. yeah. Well, if, if it's as good as their um, trading cards, we'll be in luck. You'll buy 18 copies. <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing I've learned from doing this podcast is that they need to have the thing that WWE has which apes the FIFA thing, which is a mode where you buy in-game cards and fucking... Yeah. Because the WWE game has that. So I'm kind of like, if they can do that with AEW, you two fuckers are, are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> if they had if they had a little trading card thing in it and you could get them, like, the, the good ones shipped to your house, I'd do it. I'd, they'd have all my money. Uh, yeah. So that is, that is, that's coming out on everything as well. That is also coming out on, on Switch and PC. Um, well we'll see we'll see i mean obviously the wwe games have been a mess on switch but we'll, we'll you know this yeah. game being smaller in scope I'll, I'll have a little bit of well, i'll have a wait and see on it i'm waiting to see on the whole game i i've liked what they've shown but i'm i this is a wait for the reviews uh, for me for certain i forgot a tv go from earlier i also watched the first three episodes of that uh, arsenal documentary uh all or yeah. nothing very good What's that on Prime? Prime, yeah. 
There's yeah. one bit, just to tell one bit about it, there's a bit where Mikel Arteta, Arsenal manager, quite a intellectual uh, man, he goes to draw on the board. You're thinking, all right, we're going to get some tactical insight here. What do you want the team to do? He draws a heart with arms and legs and a brain with arms and legs. And get this, they're holding hands. And if you play like this, he says, and he goes and draws more, what's behind the heart and the brain? It's a fan holding a flag that says Arsenal on it. Then these people would be there. I could be a football manager, I think. (laughs) (laughs) With analogies like that, I could do it. Alrighty, uh, we will call it there, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. You can pop us an email next week if you have if you've spent your life savings on AEW trading cards and want to talk about it. Uh, it is chairshotpodcast.com. There's an email us form on there for that. Also, if you have your own game golf, TV golf, movie golf, anything you want to talk about, do indeed reach out to us there. Uh, we will be back next week talking all these topics and more um, uh, as we. Uh, uh, as we are often to do and uh, yeah i think that's it i think that's everything for us this week so uh thank you very much for listening it's goodbye from me barry it's goodbye from joe goodbye it's goodbye from paul goodbye <laughs>